When the devil walked in on me, he oh, no. waving his hand said, Come on, just follow me. <laughs> so I, I looked him in the eyes and I showed him to the door. Oh, no. And I told him to get lost, cause I've been there once before. Don't wanna be freak, 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 repossessed. Neverland called hell It's much too warm for me Don't like the heat down there And I've looked fear in the face So many times before And that's why I'm so fast To show him to the door Don't wanna be Freak, 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 freak Get on up, get on up Out the door Freak, 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 freak You had fun with that movie and you know it. <sighs> nah, I'm excited though, man. I'm, I, I think uh, I think it'll be a good discussion. All right. Well, with that with that being said, let's get into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a, another episode of Cinecult Podcast, the podcast that reviews all movies of all genres, of all caliber of Hollywood, from indie to beat, what? Comedy, by that, he means we alternate between comedy and slasher films. Yes. (laughs) Because we really can't seem to keep it, like, consistent. I am your host, Cordell, and joining me is my co-host, Go ahead and introduce yourself. This is Luke. Woo! Happy Saturday, folks. Uh, well, everyone, we were supposed to be back with our Screen 3 review. However, I'm still waiting on the movie to come in the mail. So, we figured we would fill in the gap uh, with a review of a horror comedy tonight. I mean, we all know how much we love our horror comedies. Well, it has to be a better review than Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> Funny enough, there's somebody in this movie named Ernest. Oh, yeah, there is. Uh, we are reviewing tonight the 1990 horror comedy film Repossessed. Uh, it, is, it is a parody film of The Exorcist. But... Before we get too much into that, I guess we should start with what have we been watching? Well, what we're not watching right now is I think as we speak, KISS is doing their final concert ever live in New York. Did you know that, Cordell? Eh, yeah. So instead of recording this, could have coughed up 75 bucks a person and watched these teasers work out, but instead... There ain't a fat chance in hell that I'm coughing up 75 bucks to watch that. Oh, I kind of like Kiss, actually. No, I like their music, but you know what's funny? So, I have a funny story regarding Kiss uh, that my dad told me. So, my dad goes to a lot of, like, concerts, and he gets, like, autographs and stuff like that from them. 
Mm-hmm. Well, he went to a Kiss concert one time, and he was prepping for this concert for months in advance. He emailed the band's manager. He says, hey, I'd like to get this guitar signed by all the members of the band. Is that okay with them? And after, you know, much back and forth, they said, yeah, bring the guitar. We'll get it signed and everything. Okay, but so, how much did he have to cough up for that? <laughs> that my dad does not tell me. <laughs> so the the concert comes and my dad gets there and he goes back. You know, he tells them, you know, I'm supposed to get this signed by the band and everything. So they take him back there and he meets with all the members of the band. He's having a great time with them. You know, they they are signing his guitar. Well, he gets to the demon. You know. Gene Simmons himself. Yep, he gets to Gene Simmons. And Gene Simmons looks at him. And my dad was wearing a Megadeth t-shirt. You know, my dad doesn't really keep track of what he puts on in the morning. He just grabs <laughs> something and puts it on. Mm-hmm. And Simmons, like, made this huge fucking hissy fit about it. Like, oh, you're not a real Kiss fan. You're wearing a Megadeth. What is this bullshit? And, you know, Dad trying to move on, you know, you sign my guitar. Gene Simmons like, I'm not signing this stupid thing. Are you serious, my, dude? And my dad, like, got into, like, basically a pissy match with him. He was like, are you fucking kidding me? I was told you guys would sign it. Would you please sign the guitar? And all the other members of KISS are, tell, are like, Gene, come on, man. We told him we'd sign it. Sign his guitar. No, fuck that. I'm not signing this guy's guitar. He's an asshole. Oh, my and God. My dad, looks at, my dad looks at Gene Simmons right in his face and says, you know what? You're a fucking asshole. And he said that Gene Simmons had, like, the absolute most shocked look on his face. Like, do you know who I am? Yeah, I know who you are, and I don't care. You're a fucking asshole. Now, was this, like... Was this with the new lineup they have, or, like, when was this? Oh, my gosh. I want to say it was about a decade ago. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I believe that, dude. I mean, I don't think I don't think it's any secret that, like, uh, Gene, Gene Simmons... Gene Simmons has got uh, a reputation of being a real dickbag. <laughs> well, they're just, they're literally just in it for the money, you know? They don't give a shit, so... But, but yeah, well, I mean... No, it's, it's just so fun. funny, because, you know, the other band members were cool with it. And they were like, and they were like, Gene, sign his guitar. And, you know, it really kind of hurt my dad because Kiss was his idol. You know, when he was growing up, you know, Kiss Mm -hmm. was the band he loved. And he even said that to Gene. He's like, you know, you guys are my fucking shit when I was a kid. Like, I loved you guys and everything. That really soured his attitude on Kiss. I mean, he still got Kiss memorabilia. But... He doesn't really play any of their music anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's that a, I've heard. That just goes to show you, man. Like I said, like I've met a couple, a couple celebrities, but I do firmly believe in the whole like I don't, I don't know. It's, don't meet your idols, you know. Yeah. Well, that's like when I met Daniel Harris a few years ago at uh, Motor City Nightmares in Detroit. You know, I didn't know what to expect because I'd always heard, you know, a lot of people on all these Halloween sites always talking about how Daniel Harris is rude to her fans and 
acts like she doesn't want to be there and stuff like that. But I mean, I met her. I met her and I spoke with uh, Scout Taylor Compton. Those was like two of the sweetest women I've ever met. I mean, on top of being completely hot. <laughs> yeah, that's but, true. I mean, they would. I mean, Daniel Harris is a really nice woman. I had no negative experience with her. You know, yeah, I, I really I, think. I think what it is is like sometimes people just catch these celebrities on a bad day, and these celebrities kind of like it bleeds into their interaction with the fans, and then the fans take that as like a personal thing. I mean, we at the end of the day, you got to remember. Famous people are still people. Yeah, I mean, I guess what I would say is, like, this is why, like, I would never, like, hype myself up. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't be like, oh, my God, like, I got to meet Daniel Harris. Now, like, if I was at a convention and, like, just walking around and I was like, oh, there's, like, no one talking to Daniel Harris. Let me go over and just say, hi, how are you? You know what I mean? Like, that would be different. But I wouldn't be like, oh, my God, I have to go meet, like, you know, uh, Kane Hodder or, or whoever. Because, uh, oh, yeah, trust I trust mean, me, I did. I had to hype myself up for Kane Hodder when I went last uh, this year. It was so fun. I That's one of my favorite pictures in my phone was getting my selfie with him. And, you know, he was always asking people, like, because he poses with everyone on the camera. Well, for most people, they were having him, you know, like, choke them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what Kane Hodder's, like, famous for at conventions is, like, choking the fans, like, Jason style. But I wanted him to do something different. I asked him if he could uh, roll back his bottom lip. Because I don't know if you know this, but Kane Hodder has a tattoo on the inside of his lip that he got when he started playing Jason. It says kill. Really? I did not know that. Yep. So I asked him if he could show the kill tattoo. Oh shit, it's real. That's awesome. He he was a little hesitant at first, but he did do it. I don't Dude, know why there was hes- I don't know why there was hesitation, but I was really happy he did it. That's badass, man. A fucking tattoo on your inner lip. Jesus. I mean, I had the money to either meet Kane Hodder or Bruce Campbell and but Bruce Campbell would have been the obvious choice since I was dressed up as the maniac cop. I just wanted to meet. I mean, just so I could have a picture to show because my mom loves Kane Hodder. And just to be able to show her, like, look who I met. So, yeah, yeah awesome. that was fun. So, yeah, listeners, by the time you hear this, Kiss will be gone. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we I just still wanted... have the years of music. Years and years and years and years and years. Simmons but... can retire with this asshole money that he made. <laughs> yeah, what else is new? What else is new, man? Um, I don't really know. Um, I'm gonna look up news while we start getting into what have you been watching, if you want. All right, yeah, let's do it. All right. I'll let you start with what have you been watching. 
right, so I only pretty much have two things, uh, both 2023 movies. And uh, I'll get the big one out. Of, should I start with the good or the bad, Cordilla? Oh, boy. Is good and bad? Yeah, I have a good one and a bad one. Oh, yeah, start with the good. Well, no, start with the bad, and then we'll go with the good. All right, so last night I watched on Shudder uh, Hell House LLC Origins, the Carmichael Manor. Now, this is a <laughs> whole franchise. Have you heard of this, Cordell? Uh, I've heard of Hell House. Never seen any of them. So the first movie I saw, oh, probably a couple of years ago, and the basic premise for the first movie is it's a bunch of people who, like, make a haunted house who uh, set up in this, like, old abandoned hotel that supposedly is haunted. And, of course, it's a found footage film, so they're filming everything. And, like, as they're setting up, you know, all the props and stuff for their haunted house, spooky shit starts to happen. And, uh, honestly, I remember liking the first movie pretty well. It's got some pretty creepy stuff. Um, I like found footage movies in general. I think they can be pretty scary. And uh, so I saw on Shudder, now that movie had two sequels that a lot of people kind of were like meh on. So I always skip those. But I saw on Shudder they had a prequel. And it looked like just, uh, you know, kind of like a more traditional ghost investigators go into a haunted house kind of uh, setup. So I was like, okay, you know, it's midnight. I want to be scared. So I threw it on the overnight. And uh, for the first, like, half of the movie, it's pretty good. It's uh, a team of three people go into this old abandoned, like, mansion in New York where, you know, it kind of is like an Amityville story. Like a father killed his wife and daughter and then vanished type of thing. And, uh, you know, they're filming everything as they go. And there's some pretty cool, some pretty creepy stuff of, like, doors opening at night. And they hear, like, noises and singing. And, uh, you know, they start seeing some ghosts appear. But, uh, man, Cordell, this movie runs into an issue I have with found footage in general. And that is that I would love to watch a found footage movie that doesn't rely on its main characters being idiots. (laughs) So picture this, Cordell. You're like, I'm going to spend five nights in this haunted house, right? By night two, you know there is fucking ghosts. (laughs) Like you have seen spooky shit on the camera. Are you going to spend another two nights in this place? I guess I'd rather try my luck at Freddy at Five Nights at Freddy's. Like, it's just, yeah, I don't know, man. By the end of the movie, like, so, like, you know, the Can one you imagine guy... that song? Five Nights at Hell House, is this where you want to be? Like, by the third night, right, one of the people has vanished, okay, overnight. And the other two guys are like, all right. We're going to wait. We're going to wait. And then uh, if he doesn't show up, we're going to get out of here. Well, they wait until like four o'clock in the afternoon. And then they're like, all right, let's get out of here finally. Well, I guess no one checked the car because the car isn't working. So they're like, all right, we're going to walk out of here. Well, we get 20 minutes with all these dumbasses walking through the woods. They see one spooky thing and they run all the way back to the house where they know there is ghosts. Reporting live from Black TV. White folks are there. We getting the fuck out of here. I don't know, man. Like, just, yeah, the last, the last, like, half hour of this movie just evolved into, like, the characters being complete and utter idiots. 
And it really annoyed the shit out of me because at a certain point, I just, I'm not, it's not scary anymore. You know what I mean? It's just dumb. So, yeah, man. So, I don't, high, medium, low, are you cutting your dick off? I'm not cutting my dick off because the first half has some like good creepy shit, but the end of the like last half of that movie just really shit the bed, man. So, (laughs) I don't know. If you got nothing going on and you like shudder and it's late at night and you want to be creeped out, put on this movie and then fall asleep halfway through. That's my recommendation. But yeah, man, disappointing. I'm sorry to hear that. What about the good? What was the good? But was not was not disappointing was I went to theaters and I saw Thanksgiving Man on Black Friday, no less. That's fitting. Dude, did you see Thanksgiving, Cordell? No, I have not. I'll probably wait oh. for it to come out on DVD or Blu-ray. This that way I movie. can get like all the bonus features. You are going to love this movie, dude. This movie is like uh, a combination of My Bloody Valentine and Scream. And honest to God, it's fucking great. It's uh, Eli Roth basically took like an old school 1980s slasher film that we love. He updated it for the modern day. He threw a little bit of the screamy kind of stuff in there. But honest to God, Cordell, it's like. It's like more like My Bloody Valentine or The Prowler. Like it's just an old school slasher film, dude. I loved it. Um, you got so it's in Plymouth, Massachusetts, and it's just like an old school setup. You got a Black Friday. Uh, so the basic premise is like one year ago on Black Friday. You know how you always hear about like people stampeding at Walmart and like trampling people. Oh yeah, people? I I did listen to the now playing review of the movie, so I have an idea of what I'm getting. So something like that happens, and then one year later, a guy dressed up as a pilgrim starts killing people in Plymouth, Massachusetts. And yeah, man, I just, uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I mean, the Pilgrim is awesome. The kills are all gory as fuck. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I don't know what, I don't have a whole lot to say about it because it's, there's not a whole lot to the movie, but it's just, uh, it's an old school slasher, man. And you don't get a whole lot of those anymore. So I, I really loved it. So I recommend for Thanksgiving. But you know and- what I think that, you know what I think that shows is I think that shows that even in today's, like, Poor audience who, I mean, you know, kids today are like with that elevated shit, like the Babadook. But it mm-hmm. still goes to show that you can make an old school horror, like an old school slasher, and people will still show up for it. Because it's horror, like they're going to consume it. Yeah, but, I just, I just but the that, trick uh... is to make it a good movie. Yeah, and that's really the that's really the key for it is the movie's smart enough. Now, don't get me wrong, Cordell. Um, so the movie stars all these like fucking TikTokers. <laughs> they are really fucking annoying. <laughs> but thankfully, the movie is smart enough to know that we don't want to spend too much time with these fuckers. And every like ten minutes, like clockwork, someone gets killed in a very well, that's brutal the way. Scope of a slasher movie, you fill it with annoying people that you just hate and want want to see get you know, the acts, and then they don't give them much character development, and then chop, 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 chop. Oh, yeah. And if you've seen, uh, have you seen the Grindhouse Thanksgiving trailer? 
No. The movie kind of like plays with your expectations of that, which I thought was pretty fun. But yeah, no, I had I had a lot of fun with Thanksgiving. Honestly, everyone go uh, go check it out. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and I definitely it's going to be a yearly rewatch for me, a hundred percent. And I just heard that they just approved we're getting the sequel. So fuck yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah, knew that was coming. But yeah, that's all I've been watching. What have you been watching, dude? And obviously, you know, with Spyglass fucking up with the whole Scream situation, obviously they're going to not want to try to get a new property out there that they can bank money off of. Yeah, but Spyglass isn't doing Thanksgiving, are they? Yeah, they did. Oh, really? When we, yeah, when we talked it in that, uh, when we did that little BS episode last week, we looked up Spyglass, and they they were one of the powerhouses behind Thanksgiving. Oh shit! Yeah, I guess this is their new. Uh, I guess this is their new. Man, that's so sad because they put out the Screams, which we like, uh, Hellraiser, which I liked, and Thanksgiving, which I also liked. But I guess they're a bunch of assholes. Shame. Isn't that always the case? The things we like were created by assholes. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't watched really anything new, per se, but... So, do you have Netflix? Uh, Actually, right now, I don't. I probably will resubscribe at some point. So, they recently just dropped a whole bunch of the recent DC movies on Netflix from the past, like, six years. So, I decided the other night to sit down and I watched... Both uh, Shazam movies, I watched Black Adam, and I watched The Suicide Squad. Ooh, Cordell. Now, as the as the noted DC fan over Marvel, or at least DC's more R-rated stuff, uh, what did you think? Well, let me... So, the first one I watched was um, the... Suicide Squad. And let me tell you, I was not prepared for how bloody that movie was going to be. Like, I was not prepared for how violent that was going to be. Like, when that guy gets his face blown off at the beginning, (laughs) I had to do a double take. I was like, what the fuck? I love that movie. Um, no, you know, it wasn't a bad movie. Um, I guess my only... My only issue I had with it was I had a lot more difficult of a time keeping track of the timeline of the plot. Because there's a couple of times where it like jumps between the past and the present. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm on record as saying as I like the first Suicide Squad movie that they did with Will Smith. I know a lot of people don't really care for that movie but i kind of do like it um but no it was good i was really happy to see margot robbie return as holly quinn i love her in that role Um, okay but elba is way fucking cooler than uh will smith dude you gotta admit well i think he's only cooler by the fact that i give him a little bit more to do you know, they actually let him do some cool shit. I love the scene when him and uh, the Peacemaker are, like, killing people as they go through the camp. 
Yep, that's what I was just about to say. Like that scene right there, like you didn't get a scene of that in with Will Smith and the first Suicide Squad. Like he didn't have a chance to play off anybody like that. Um, John Cena. I mean, I know the guy is a wrestler. I don't really watch too much of his stuff, but I thought he was pretty damn good as Peacemaker. He actually makes me want to see the Peacemaker TV show. I have seen the Peacemaker show. If you like him in the Suicide Squad, then uh, the Peacemaker show is well worth your time. I think it's only like eight episodes. That's uh, I did I did like when they first land on the island and him and Idris Elba bickering, saying like, you're a leader. You're supposed to lead. Yeah, I'm telling you to go eat a bag of dicks. This I was like, what? I dick. was like, and he's like, well, if they put a bunch of penises on the beach and I had to suck each and every one of them, I wouldn't see no problem with that. And I was like, I don't know what I'm watching, but this is fucking amazing. Every single time, like, the I watch that movie, by the time it gets to the end and they're just fighting like a fucking giant starfish i'm just like fucking laughing my ass off it's amazing <laughs> i did like the line project starfish no starfish is another name for butthole is there any connection <laughs> yeah no it's just a fucking fun movie man it's yeah it's bloody really it's it's a good time i love the, the i think the best one of the best lines was between idris elba and polka dot man when they're battling the starfish he's like you know who that is? It's your mom. <laughs> and he just imagines like his like his mother just rampaging through the streets. And I was <laughs> like, oh my god. Like I'm a superhero, I'm a motherfucking smash. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that movie. I've seen that a bunch actually. Yeah, I, I actually own that. No, I really Great thought movie. like the plot would like how we keep cutting to like the dictators on the island, how they're trying to release Project Starfish and everything like that. I thought that was kind of weak because like they, those guys seem to get killed way too easy. Mm-hmm. But no, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Black Adam. I really I wanted- didn't know, you know, Everything I understand about the character of Black Adam is he's pretty much like the Punisher. He's an anti-hero. Like, he does heroic things. But he does it with his own his own way, like his own sense of justice. Like, he's not afraid to do what most heroes won't do, and that's kill the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he really didn't come off as anti-hero to me in the film though you know what i mean oh i i haven't seen the movie so i don't know what you mean <laughs> oh you haven't seen it no yeah, i haven't seen did. it was the suicide uh, scene ever so i thought the rock was okay with it unfortunately i know him and warner brothers had a big falling out over it over the whole thing so unfortunately we won't see him back come back but uh I thought it was a pretty good film. And then the Shazam movies, I thought were fucking adorable. Like, those movies felt like 
you still got a bit of like the rated all violence when it came to the bad guys, but it it had that more emotional human touch to it. Have you seen either of the Shazams? Nope. Like I said, I mostly if DC isn't like R rated or like a little more hardcore, I'm not really interested. So no, I thought Shazam was pretty good. I have no complaints about any of the four movies that I watched. You know, I think I think the unfortunate part is DC really doesn't know what they're doing right now. Like when all these movies came out, everything was just because then they lost Henry Cavill, they lost Ben Affleck. And they, you know, DC's been trying real hard to start a universe the way Marvel did. But they just haven't, you know, really gotten the formula right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of a, like, every DC movie sort of, like, is its own thing, almost. Like, the, they don't really make a big effort to, like, tie it together. You know what I mean? I mean, they kind of do. I mean, in Shazam, you get cameo, in Black Adam, you get cameo appearances by Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot, and... Henry Cavill Superman. But and you get like references to Batman, Flash, but they they don't do as much world building like Marvel does. What I'll say about DC is uh and this is why I kind of like DC better than Marvel at the moment, is yeah, DC is a mess, but when they hit it out of the park, uh I think they really, really do. I mean, I think Marvel is just kind of like generic cookie cutter. Uh, whereas DC has, and I'll just like list off the shit I like, like, uh, you know, like, uh, the Suicide Squad, Zack Snyder's Justice League, Man of Steel, uh, the Joker, uh, the Batman was fucking awesome. We talked about Yeah, the Batman just got put on Netflix too. Great movie. So, yeah, I mean, I would say DC is kind of a mess, but at least when DC has like something that really clicks, I think it really clicks. Whereas uh, nothing Marvel has put out has really, like, interested me, except for Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which is Uh, really good. With Marvel, you know, I mean, you got to look at the companies that own these properties. Like, Disney owns Marvel, so Marvel has to be a little bit more conscious about what they put out to protect their kid-friendly image. But I will say that what I do like with with Marvel and Disney right now is they've slowly been like tiptoeing into more adult, older, like, you know, generated terms of violence. Mm-hmm. I think I think the best one I saw that I could use them as, a, as an example is Doctor Strange 2. Did you see that one? Multiverse no. of Madness. I heard uh, I heard meh things about it. I actually thought it was pretty good. Uh, you know, I know that one got pretty. You know, violent. Sam Raimi did it, and you know you're getting you're getting a good you're getting some good with Sam Raimi. Um. Yeah. Uh, that's one that's definitely on the to watch list at some point for me. I do Sam Raimi, 
But I mean, with Marvel, I mean, come on, like, uh, you know, I thought Blade was going to be R rated. But now I'm hearing like that movie is probably not even going to happen now because it's just like a shit show. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed about that. Like, I'm. You know, Blade was one of the first. Was one of the first, like. I can't say it was the first Marvel movie to ever come out. I think Howard the Duck holds that title. But Blade, you know, when Blade came out in that 96, I didn't even know it was a Marvel character. I just thought it was a horror vampire movie. And then I learned later on that Blade is actually a Marvel char- uh, character. So that was kind of fun. Um, yeah, and I think Blade was really the only R-rated comic book movie of the time. I mean, unless you count, like, Spawn. But but that's not really DC or Marvel. You know what I'm saying? I still want to see that movie. Have you seen Spawn? Is it good? It's interesting. Um, we might have to do that movie one day. Just so I can listen to you rail against the CGI in the movie. You know what? Bad CGI doesn't bother me, Cordell, because if it's like for the time, I'm okay with it. It takes a uh, long- no, this CGI will bother you. All right, we'll have to do it because it takes a lot for me to like actually be mad about CGI, honestly. If I'm wrong and it doesn't bother you, I will eat my foot. <laughs> um, and then the the only other movie I watched uh, within the past couple days is I watched a movie called White House Down. Oh, okay, yeah, the uh, action movie, right? Yeah, it's kind of like a kind of like a more lower budget version to like. Olympus has fallen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was a good action movie. It's got Channing Tatum in it. No, I don't think you know Channing Tatum is an interesting actor. You know, when I think of Channing Tatum, I think of like the first GI Joe movie that came out because that was I think that was the first movie I saw him in. And then, you know, he's been in, like, the 21, 22 Jump Street uh, films. He's yeah, that's what I kind of the, He's kind of the star of those Magic Mike films. He has a memorable part in Tarantino's The Hateful Eight, if you ever saw that. Yeah, you know, I like... Channing Tatum always kind of get, gets, like, a meh reaction from people. I actually like him. I think he's a good actor. It just depends on what kind of role he's given. Oh, yeah, I mean, uh, 21 Jump Street, I think, is like a modern classic. Oh, he was also in, uh, you know, the Kingsman films? Oh, yeah, yeah, he was in the second one of those. Yep, he was, part of the, he was part of the Kingsman organization from West Virginia, I think. Good old country boy. Country roads. Ma- uh, Mama, take me home. I love West Virginia. Great state. Oh, that's beside the point. But that is all I have for what have I been watching. 
Quiet week, quiet week. We're in December, Cordell. Another year of cynical. Down, down for the count. Yeah. And I'll, like, most listened to episode of the year was Jason Takes Manhattan. Yeah, Cordell and I were talking about this, listeners. For some reason, you guys have listened to Jason Takes Manhattan more than any other. And I would be curious to know why that is. So please, write in. <laughs> I, we have, like, a Facebook group. I know, I know. I, I got a post in there, Cordell. I know you texted me about that. Yeah, you need to start posting more in the Facebook group. I, I'm, I'm, all right, that's my that's my resolution for December, is to post more in the Facebook group. But yeah, I mean, I just to reflect on that, I think uh, I think we did gave Jason Six Manhattan a pretty interesting analysis. Even you if know, when he says he's interested, folks, about why you picked that, what he's really trying to say is he's seething with anger. <laughs> well, I just think our review of Jason Goes to Hell is probably a better podcast, honestly. Because like I told Cordell, I think Jason Takes Manhattan is just like two hours of us being like, what the fuck? Except Cordell likes that movie, I think. Yes, I do. Oh, it's the worst Friday. It's the worst. Uh, I got some news. Kane Hodder is in like the four. I was just listening to a retrospective, Cordell, about the Friday films. And the one guy pointed this out, and I agree. He was like, Kane Hodder, love him as Jason, but he's in like the four weakest movies. Yeah, I've heard that before. Like, even even Jason X, like we talked about, is kind of like just like shrug, a shrug worthy movie. Well, I think it's really Kane Harder that just kind of saves those movies that make them worth watching. I mean, part seven is pretty good, though. I, I, I think seven, seven is pretty, pretty solid. I got some news. Do you want me to get into that? Yep. What news do you have? All right, so news coming from my favorite topic, horror movie collecting. So NECA celebrates 20 years of House of a Thousand Corpses with new Captain Spaulding and Otis figures. Oh, there's a Captain Spaulding? I saw the Otis. I didn't see Captain Spaulding. That's cool. Yep, it's him in his tailcoat outfit. You know, his little red, white, and blue tailcoat. With the top hat. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking here. Oh yeah, uh, that's cool. This year marks the 20th anniversary of Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses, and NECA has announced that they're celebrating with two brand new figures: Captain Spaulding tailcoat and the Otis Red Robe 20th anniversary figures are shipping in March of 2024, both in seven-inch scale. Now, have you not seen House of a Thousand Corpses, Cordell? It is on my bucket list. My dad is like hounding me to watch it. Oh, we gotta do it, dude. I love House of a Thousand Corpses. Maybe I'll but, watch uh, that. Not definitely. will need to get the Captain Spaulding figure. I want to get the Captain Spaulding figure in his clown and his clown suit. I would love to get a Captain Spaulding figure for my collection. Now they just need to make a fucking... They need to re-release the Devil's Rejects figures, dude. That's what they need. I love the Devil's Rejects. Yeah, these figures look pretty damn good, though, don't they? Yeah, they do. I saw... um, 
Yeah, like I was telling Cordell, I'm on the hunt now after seeing Thanksgiving. I want my fucking John Carver figure because who doesn't want a killer pilgrim on their shelf? <laughs> um. So I saw this article a few days ago, and I thought this might interest you. Exclusive interview director Adam Marcus reflects on Jason Goes to Hell and teases a Creighton Duke spinoff movie. This motherfucker, are you serious? Alright. More fans will recognize Adam Marcus as the director of Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday, and the co-writer of Texas Chainsaw. Two divisive but often discussed entries in their respective franchises. He recently returned... He recently returned to the genre to helm Secret Santa, a holiday horror comedy streaming exclusively on Screenbox. All right, let me stop you there, Cordell, because I got two points. First of all, I'm looking at the article right now. And do you notice they're using the image that's not even in the movie? Yep, of the with the demon grabbing Jason. That's not even... And have you noticed, if you look up Jason Goes to Hell... Like, those are the images that they use, but they're not even in the fucking movie. Yeah, I know. It was just Muppet hands. And second of all, I just want to point out, if he's doing this stupid holiday horror comedy streaming on Screenbox, who is behind uh, Screenbox, Cordell? Screenbox is bloody disgusting. So they're not going to say anything bad about this dude, because he is fucking, you know, producing content for them. So just keep that in mind. I need to continue this. Do you want to hear what this this is awesome? We but we and say go listen to our Jason Goes to Hell review because we gave Adam Marcus his fair shake in court and Cordell and I both came away from that, I think, saying that we weren't sure who was totally right, but Adam Marcus kinda comes off as a dick. I mean kind of, but he made he he made a movie and it's not a bad movie. It's just kinda eh. And I know I'm being mean to Adam Marcus right now, but I do like Jason Goes to Hell, funnily enough. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I also do like Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, but I was reading, did you read the extended interview with him talking about the differences between like his script and the actual movie for that? Uh, no, I was actually, I saw that on here. I was going to get to that next. Uh, well, basically done with the, this one. Make a long story short, like, Basically, the script he pointed it put in as like nothing like the final movie for Texas Chainsaw. The but first yeah, inst- <laughs> the first installment in our three-part interview with the Rancator focus focuses on Jason Goes to Hell, currently celebrating its 30th anniversary, along with the upcoming retrospective documentary Hearts of Darkness: The Making of the Final Friday, and a potential Creighton Duke spinoff. People who don't keep interrupting me, I'm putting you in jail. (laughs) All right, read the article. You dick. (laughs) People who don't like Jason Goes to Hell are rabid. They are not your average haters. They're knives out from the second you meet them. Marcus says with a chuckle, when people go, that's not canon. I'm like, no, bitches, it's canon. I made Jason a deadite. I did that. If you... If you were the right age when the movie came out, if you weren't a Friday fan from the first movie, but you came in the middle or right before my movie, these folks tend to love Jason Goes to Hell. If you're my age and you're a crazy fan from the first one on, we have a lot of talking that goes on between us. 
I ruined their childhood. They wish me ass cancer. All these things happen on a regular basis. That's literally a line in the interview that they wish him ass cancer. I would love to hear a fan say they wish Adam Marcus got ass cancer. Please contact <laughs> those people. The immediate reception was far more encouraging. I look back on the movie as trial by fire. When it first came out, there was no internet like there is now. I got a ton of love off that movie. I had a contract at New Line. Francis Ford Coppola was my first meeting after Jason Goes to Hell. That Monday and a week later, I met with Robert De Niro. He cites the rise of social media, a particular popular YouTube video on how New Line Cinema destroyed the Friday the 13th franchise for crashing the wave of hatred. Um, I'm trying to figure out when here where it talks about the Creighton Duke spinoff, because that's what got my attention, you know? I like how his next line in the interview is he goes, everyone talks about Jason, everyone's got an opinion, every hater has a copy of it in multiple formats, a.k.a. everyone has given him fucking money for it. Yes. Um... I went too far ahead. I'm looking on here. But I will say is he's talking about that whole like Hearts of Darkness, the making of the final Friday. And he's been advertising that documentary for Dell for like years. Like I actually I literally remember like two years ago seeing the fundraiser for that. So it'd be nice. Oh, yep. it exceeded its five hundred, its fifty thousand dollar goal, and is now at a total of seventy one thousand five hundred. That's pretty good. Uh, Michael Flesher, who made Just Desserts, the making of Creep Show. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious! Have you listened to Now Plain's review of of the Creep Show films? Uh, a long time ago. Arnie from Now Plain podcast had to order from the UK a copy of Just Desserts, The Making of Creepshow, and it turns out it's just a bonus feature about bonus features. It's not even a real documentary. Oh, really? <laughs> That's funny. So that, um, that means this documentary is going to be awesome, right? <laughs> I'm not sure if he's in charge of this. Oh, right oh, here. This is what I'm looking for. Marcus has also been developing a project with Stephen Williams, who played Creighton Duke, on a project he describes as Friday the 13th adjacent, since he doesn't own the rights to the character despite creating it. I can't say it's a Creighton Duke movie, but we wanted to explore Creighton further, and we've come up with a way to do that. Think Creighton Duke versus the Evil Dead in something that looks like that looks like Bolchie's zombie. I mean, I'll believe it when I see it, dude. <laughs> Marcus teases that William's character was presumed dead after getting his back broken at the hands of Jason Voorhees will sport a full mechanized back brace that might have all kinds of tricks up its sleeve. Okay, because remember how one of the things I said in the trivia for Jason Goes to Hell in one of the copies, Creighton got his back broken, but he wasn't dead? Yes. I think they're playing off of that. Yeah, but I know Adam Marcus has been talking about like a Creighton Duke movie for like ever. So he's just still spinning the same old bullshit, dude. (laughs) I'll believe it when I see it. 
Yeah, this is a really big article. I'm gonna end up po- I'm gonna end up posting this article to the page on Facebook. But uh no, he pretty much ends it with saying, I'm very, very proud of Jason Goes to Hell. So I I still don't because I'm reading the article here and he's like, Yeah, Sean Cunningham didn't ever shoot any of my movie. Did you see that line, Cordell, where he goes Yeah, he throws know, a lot of shade at Sean Cunningham. See, is, is uh, we talked about this during our podcast because we went deep into the trivia and we watched interviews and stuff. I don't believe Adam Marcus. Now, I don't believe Sean Cunningham either, but I don't believe Adam Marcus. <laughs> I don't think either of these guys are telling the truth. What do you think, Cordell? Yeah, I think they're both having like a big pissing contest. Like, so, frankly, that's what it sounds like to me. I because, don't know. I... You know, because Sean Cunningham. Man, I don't really know what to say about him. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm still kind of like, yeah, on him for getting his, like, panties in a bunch about getting the rights back to Jason and putting us in that long ass you know court battle where we didn't get nothing Jason you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I mean because of that stupid court battle they effectively killed the Friday the 13th video game and you know what that pisses me off a little Oh, and they, they killed everything. That's why, like, we haven't gotten, like, a NECA figure in years. Well, no, we did get a Part 7 NECA figure in the middle of the court battle, but we haven't heard nothing since the court battle ended. No Part 8, no Part 9, no Jason X. No uh, Pamela figure? Oh, no, I they have made a Pamela figure. Not in the, uh, not in the, like, only in the clothes line, not in the, uh, you know, like deluxe figure line. Yeah, that's really all I had for news that I wanted to share, though. I figured you yeah. might be interested by that. No, that is interesting. Um, I mean, I do recommend, off to dig up the article, but Bloody Disgusting did have an uh, interview with Adam Marcus where he did talk about Texas Chainsaw and, like, what, what the original script was versus what actually came on screen. That I thought is a pretty interesting read because the original script for that movie sounded a whole lot better than what the movie we got was. But uh, I'll have to find that and post that. But, I mean, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, look, I like Jason Goes to Hell, but I think Adam Marcus is full of shit (laughs) at the end of the day. So, I guess we'll, uh, I mean, hey, if he actually makes a Crichton Duke, like, Fulci zombie movie, I'm all for it. Make the movie, man. Prove me wrong. All right, well... With that out of the way, should we get into Repossessed? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so Repossessed. 1990 American comedy horror film. Um, box office was $1.4 million. 
It was released on September 14th of 1990. This movie stars Leslie Nielsen, Ned Beatty, Linda Blair, Anthony Stark, Robert Fuller. Uh, guest appearances by Jesse Vent- the Body Ventura, Gene Oakland. Uh, actually, a couple people listed as themselves in here. Wally George, Jack Belaine, Army Archard, Jake Steinfeld. Oh, is that who the gym guy is? The Body by Jake guy? Uh, I'm not sure. Because hmm. the whole time, like that, the guy at the gym looks familiar. Oh, Jake Steinfeld? Yeah, he's body by Jake. Yeah, I have a fun piece of trivia for you about him, but I'll get to it <laughs> later. Uh, so this movie is a parody. We've done parodies before. Yeah, we did Spaceballs. But you know what this is, Cordell? This is my first Leslie Nielsen movie I've seen in full. Holy shit. Yeah, no lie, man. Are you a big Leslie Nielsen guy? Um, yeah, I actually do think he's pretty funny as an actor. You know, he was in most of those scary movie films. Um, he did a Mel Brooks parody called Dracula Dead and Loving It. I think he, most people know him for uh, The Naked Gun, right? He's a he's a fun actor. I like him, and I think that. But this is the movie I think of the most when I hear his name because it's the one I've seen the most. Oh, really? Interesting. How'd you yeah, first this, see it? Uh, my mom has it on VHS. Uh, is she a big fan? Um, I will say though, this movie is very difficult to get a hold of. Yeah, I gotta complain, man. I fucking coughed up five bucks on Voodoo to buy the movie, and uh, it was a VHS rip. Oof. I know uh, it did release way long back ago in like a four pack. Yep, I, I actually got this fun little trivia here. This is, I thought this was hilarious. So the film was released on DVD in 2003. We released on DVD in 2009 in a collection of forgotten films called The Lost Collection. And then, the, and then Lionsgate re- released it again in 2011 in a four-film collection with My Best Friend is a Vampire, Slaughter High, and Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, Better Watch Out. Oh, shit. This is a good buy, Cordell. You can get this DVD right now on Amazon for $9.99. And uh, I really like Slaughter High. And uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, I know, is kind of a snooze fest, but it's still a thing. So I'd say that's worth your money, honestly. That's not a bad deal. Yeah, very difficult movie to get your hands on, but I'm really hoping we give it some good justice tonight because I do like this film. Not to show my hand too early. My only question would be, what the what is the transfer like on the DVD? Is it like a VHS rip or is it an actual like you know widescreen? I believe I it's widescreen. Yeah. 
I think the version I watched was widescreen. I'm looking at the back uh, of the so I guess with that, Luke, take us in. All right. So I didn't write down every single joke, Cordell, but I figured you would be able to recite most of it for us. <laughs> <laughs> but I oh, will say oh, there was some jokes. I uh, I got off to a really good move, a really good mood with this movie because it starts off with uh, <laughs> kind of like a parody of the THX or whatever. With uh, some text on screen that says the audience is hearing. <laughs> and then BFD. Big fucking deal. Yeah, and then we get some fart sounds. Leslie Nielsen, one of the trivias about this was Leslie watched the film and he told the director, we need more fart sounds in it. Uh, well, I don't know if I agree with that, but I did find uh, I did find the opening pretty funny. So then uh, we cut back to 1973 and we get right away kind of a parody of the uh, opening scene from or not the opening, the ending scene of the original Exorcist movie. Where uh, we see uh, the girl's mom kind of walking up the stairs while we hear the priest kind of, you know, throwing the demon out of her. (laughs) I love this scene so much. I am Satan, king of all that is evil. And uh, right away, the movie, the movie's big joke that I think is funny, and I don't know if Cordell thinks it's as amusing as I do, but instead of uh, the girl's name in this movie is not Reagan, it's Nancy. Get yep. it? But, um, shh. Yep, that was uh, Nancy Reagan. But, um, shh. <laughs> but uh so then uh yeah the priest comes out and he's uh played by leslie nielsen with uh black hair and he's basically like you know the demon has been exercised and but we find out he's got a bad heart because they played a whole like heartbeat music let's like before we get too much let's talk about like this opening though like where they're just like screaming at each other as the mom's walking up the stairs listening to all this he's like so, Father, so Leslie Nielsen plays Father Jedediah Mayai, which is a joke in and of itself. Mayai? Um, but he's like screaming at Satan, like, in the name of God Almighty, I cast ye back to hell. I banish this putrid spirit from this child's soul. Never! The girl is mine! Mine, 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 mine! Don't you stick your tongue out at me. I'll do as I damn well please. Stop your cursing. I don't know why, but there's like this opening always like makes me chuckle. Because it sounds like an old bickering couple. Yeah, it just kind of washed over me, I gotta say. Um, I mean, I did get a lot of the dialogue choices in this movie. Some of them just kind of like fly right over my head so to speak <laughs> but what i did find funny is after he uh after he gets out the uh the demon kicks him down the stairs yes he goes may i and we get like this extended scene of leslie nielsen falling down the same like set of set of stairs like five different ways 
which I thought was pretty amusing. I I like the scene where he gets up at the bottom and Satan goes, I'll be back. And Leslie Nielsen goes, ooh, oh shit. Then he like looks straight into the camera and goes, ooh. <laughs> and then we get a really catchy musical nu- number. Yeah, so we get all the, like, cartoon titles popping up. And, uh, yeah, the Repossessed song. I dig Wait, it. That... It's a... Oh, yeah, this song. I actually, like, have this song on my, iP- on my iPhone. Is this a regular I... listen to you, Cordo? No, no, but, like, if I'm just looking for something to listen to, I'll pop this on. But, uh, no, this is a good song. Like, I like the tune. You know, one of the things I like about these low-budget, like, kind of, like, obscure parody films or stuff like this is even though the music in them is not, like, anything you probably would be able to find on a CD somewhere, they're still fun. Yeah, no, soundtrack for this. Yeah, like, have you ever seen the Killer Tomato films? Uh, No, I haven't. So, not the first movie, but the second movie, uh, Return of the Killer Tomatoes, they have this song that just plays throughout the film, and it is so funny. And the the name of the song is Big Breasted Girls Go to the Beach. (laughs) Those big breasted girls go to the beach and take the tops off. I'll have to send you that one. Yeah, send me that. But no, this song, I kind of, I just like the, you know, I was, I'm out of my business when the devil walked in on me. Waving his hand said, come on, just follow me. And I looked her in the face so many times before. That's why it's so great to show him to the door. Don't want to be re-re-re-repossessed. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fun song. But uh, so we cut to night. What is it? Nineteen or seventeen years later? I guess seventeen, because this takes place in nineteen ninety. Yes. And uh, yeah, we're at the University of California at Chicago. <laughs> and I like the sign where it's like, uh, you know, uh, Father Jedediah May I. Kilo or geek. <laughs> yeah. And then what is it next week? Morton Downey Jr. <laughs> yeah. And then there's like this part of the sign is unnecessary. Don't read this. And uh I do I do love when he so we cut inside this classroom and we have uh Leslie Nielsen's uh Jedediah May I and he's taking roll call and he's like, you know, blah blah blah, your name here, your name here. Mormon Tabernacle Choir. And uh, so he basically is talking about, like, you know, 17 years ago, I fought Satan and it changed my life and blah, blah, blah. And uh, right away, they're like, in this movie, they're like, all right, we need to, like, hook in uh, young, impressionable Cordell. (laughs) It's like uh, this chick in the front row 
played by... the front row who is credited as Bimbo Student. <laughs> yeah, I did do that credits. And uh, she keeps kind of, like, basically making eyes at Leslie Nielsen and, like, you know, pulling her dress up and all that kind of shit. And he's like to her, he's like, uh, young lady, will you pull your Dude, dress? You pull down, down your dress. Sure. And she actually pulls down her top and exposes her boobs. And, uh, yeah, I was like, five minutes in, and we get some titties. And I love his and- reaction. He's like, up. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, Leslie Nielsen's pretty funny with the facial expressions. I guess that must be, like, his whole shtick. Oh, yeah, he's pretty good at facial expressions. But, uh, yeah, so he basically is talking about, you know, Nancy. And uh, so we cut to this neighborhood and he's like, you know, Nancy's grown up and she's living like in a white picket fence, uh, you know. Community with lots of houses and lots of white fences and lots of Caucasians. And uh, I like the lawn jockey played by the midget. And uh, so we cut into, uh, we see these kids on the couch, like, watching some TV. The Aglet household. And, yeah, so we see that uh, Nancy has grown up to be Nancy Aglet. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of weird to see Linda Blair playing, like, a housewife. And, of course, she's making, you know, split pea soup. Yep, yep, yep. And the kids absolutely go mad. And I like we cut the, we we get a quick cut to uh, Father May. is like, I said they were beautiful children. At this point, they had not taken acting lessons. <laughs> yeah, so it should be said actually. I didn't realize the movie was gonna be like this, but like for the first half, it's kind of like narrated by Father Mayai. And uh, so like every couple minutes, we cut back to him like talking to this classroom. But yeah, so uh, we see Linda Blair, uh, who just, uh, yeah, she really didn't do much after The Exorcist Cordell. In the 80s, she did a whole bunch of, like, horror exploitation films. Um, yep, I'm looking at her um, thing right now. I, mean, I will she's say, still, she's still considered, like, on her page where it says years active, it's still saying she's active as an actress, so... I'm looking at her filmography. Obviously, we know she was in The Exorcist, The Exorcist 2. She was in 1981's Hell Night. Good movie. Have you seen that? It's a fun slasher. Uh, Terror in the Isles. Savage Streets is a good movie, too. That's like a really like sleazy exploitation movie. Dead Sleep. I know she was in some like caged heat, like women in prison movie. There was, of course, that like uncredited role she had in Scream. Yeah, she popped up in Scream for a couple. What has she done in like the 2000s? Anything big? Uh, The 2000s Monster Maker, Diva Dog. The, pow- assume, the Powder Puff Principle. I assume this is like direct-to-video stuff. Oh, she was in The Exorcist Believer. 
Oh, yeah, she was in that for like two seconds. She had a cameo in that. It looks like she's had a lot more. She's had a much bigger run on like television. She was in stuff like Murder, She Wrote, MacGyver. Okay. Was, she had a cameo in Supernatural in 2006. So, yeah, kind of sad. Like, I mean, because I would consider Linda Blair like a somewhat of a screen queen, I would say. Yeah, I think she, I think she counts, honestly. I mean, if we, if we're gonna give Janet Lee the title of screen queen for one movie in Psycho, I'm sure Linda Blair can have it for The Exorcist. Well, I do not give Janet Lee the title of Screen Queen, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> well, you'll probably be going up against the world there, then. You're not a Scream Queen if you're just in one movie. Jamie Lee Curtis is a Scream Queen. Uh, Linnea Quigley is a Scream Queen. Linda Blair... Oh, no, is... because technically Janet Lee was in Halloween H2O. Okay. All right. If you really want... Oh, I get... You know what? I Actually, I take it all back because she was in The Fog, too. Mm. All right. I forgot about that. All right. Janet Lee is a scream queen. You win, internet people. Wait. And yeah, she was in H2O for like five minutes. Forget about that. But yeah, so uh, Linda Blair, she's like this housewife, uh, Nancy Aglet. And uh, so we cut to her, the kids, and her husband. They're sitting down to watch TV. And uh, they turn on this whole, like, evangelical, like, kind of TV show. Hold on. You just missed the best part. You just skipped over one of the funniest uh, lines in the movie. Do tell us, Corday. So she's preparing the table for dinner. And her daughter comes up and says, I want to change my, my name. All my friends think it's dorky. My last name, Aglet. Like, what does that even mean? Her father, Braden, played by Tom D.J. Sharp, who cannot click on his name, meaning he's been in absolutely nothing. <laughs> he comes in and says, well, Aglet was, you know, the name of, you know, someone that put, you know, things on shoes. You see, back then... A people a person's last name was the same as their occupation. Oh, so a man like Thomas Baker made bread, or she said something else. And <laughs> the son pipes up. So what did John Hancock do? <laughs> well, there were some. <laughs> I love the look that Linda Blair like gives her husband. Like you said it. Yeah, that did uh Yeah, like I said, I didn't write down every single joke, but yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> oh no, don't worry, I got the jokes for you. <laughs> I have seen yeah. this movie yeah. way too many times. <laughs> so they're watching some uh evangelical TV show and uh this one get kind of a whole parody of uh that chick Tammy Faye, right? Because this is when we meet uh Ned Beatty. 
who's playing uh what is this guy's name he is playing ernest weller yeah ernest weller and his wife and they're kind of like a parody of the uh the whole like tv evangelical people in the 80s and 90s uh ned Beatty, he had quite a career yeah, he's a big star. He was in uh, Superman, I think. Uh, deli- he was in Deliverance. Uh, yeah, Last, sure. Last American Hero, All the President's Men, Nashville. He was in The Exorcist 2, The Heretic with Linda Blair, Superman. Uh, Superman 2, <laughs> 1941, that Steven Spielberg's flop, that that's got to be a big mark on the blemish. Never uh, seen uh, yeah, it's a pretty bad movie. He was in the 1990 Captain America TV movie. Which came out the same year as this, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, Charlie Wilson's War. I've heard of that one. He did voice acting. For Rango and Toy Story 3. But yeah, this guy, uh, this guy worked up pretty much almost the, until he died. Hmm. So he's, yeah, he's, uh, he's been a prolific career. Uh, and he's pretty, yeah. He's- he died oh, okay. in June of 2021. So he died just about two years ago. Hmm. Yeah, he's uh he's pretty good here. You know, he's basically a parody of the whole like you know southern sweaty angelical. Yeah, they're basically, they're they're poking fun at the televangelist and the televangelist scandals of the 80s and. Yeah, I tell you, let me tell you something. I don't like televangelists. I really don't. Have you ever watched a televangelist they before? Watched any or no? It is so. <sighs> but uh, so uh, the kids basically are like, we hate this. Turn this off. And uh, so Linda Blair goes, uh, or what happens? Like the sound goes off, or something like that. It's kind of funny. Like, before, if we could just like stay on the televangelist for a second. So we, we meet Ernest Weller, but what is with his wife? Well, we I have, think she's supposed. To we have be we have Lana Schwab as Fanny Weller, and she's got like this poodle named Fufu. And that has got to be the ugliest looking dog I've ever seen in my life. Well, I think it's supposed to be a, she's supposed to be like a parody of that like Tammy Faye chick who uh, and basically... Do you notice how Fufu does not like Ernest? <laughs> well, Ernest, uh, Ernest gets his own on Foo Foo. <laughs> I I like when he when he wait because uh, Fanny at points in the movie whenever Fanny says hello everybody 
Oh, Fufu says hi, too. Ernest tries to pet him and goes, Fufu is a good dog. And Fufu tries to bite him. He goes, you little shit. <gasps> His whole audience gasps. Shih Tzu. I watched that and I was like, good save, dude. Good save. Uh, the audience goes, ah, okay. <laughs> good save. So yeah, the TV, the um, yeah, like the TV kind of goes like haywire or something, but the sound goes out. Well, Nancy goes over to see what she can do, and she's looking at it, and we got like this little light effect where like the power of evil comes out of the TV and goes straight into Nancy's eyes. Yeah, this and this is where we this is where we really get the exorcist stuff is it just that the preacher was talking about satan and that's what caused it to possess her i I, it really doesn't give a good reason why satan comes through the tv on a televangelist show maybe we can take it that televangelism it does not represent true gospel and therefore it was an easy way for satan to get out and get nancy because it's all fake yeah, I guess so. And the movie sort of gets into that a little bit. But yeah, so she she gets the whole, you know, like cross-eyed, possessed look. And uh, this is when, yeah, they do just all the, the standard exorcist parody thing. Like her head spins all the way around. And uh, of course she vomits the green pea soup on her husband. And she, what she say to her kids, Cordell? She's like, "If you, you'll never watch TV again, you little bags of shit, or something like that." And immediately the kids start arguing whether she's going through PMS or not. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this is when I realized Leslie Nielsen was the narrator. I don't know why it took me this long, but uh. So after after vomiting all over her husband, Nancy, uh, Nancy kind of like snaps out of it and she's like, oh, my God, like, you know, I don't know what came over me. And I like how the husband has a line where he's basically like, don't worry about it, honey. I knew I should have ducked. This is a very forgiving husband. I like this guy. <laughs> yeah, he's funny. And uh, so she's basically like, well, tomorrow I'll go to the hospital and I'll talk to Dr. Hackett. Which I guess is like supposed to be a joke. Yeah, I didn't and, get uh, the joke. So we cut to the uh now I do like the next joke though, because we cut to the uh the hospital the next day. And there's like this couple in a car who are like go over this like thing of spikes at like the hospital entrance. Yeah. And he like over and the lady goes, uh oh wait, you gotta Can we go, go back. back? I, I forgot my purse. And we see a sign that says, like, no reversal, tire damage. And you're thinking, like, oh, okay, it's going to pop his tires. Well, he reverses. And all these tires, like, fall out of the sky and they whack him. Uh, I don't know. That cracked me up. I like the next scene where she goes into the hospital. Well, I like when she parks and, like, a tire just rolls by her van. I don't get it. What's the joke, Cordell, where, like, all the handicapped spots have the, like, 
life-size handicap. You have to explain that one to me. Mm, I don't know. I think it was just supposed to be a handicap. I like the next scene, though. We cut to a guy in an elevator, and he's, like, getting all up in with it with this chick. And she's like, really? Right here? Right now? And she goes down on him. Well, the elevator door opens up, and Nancy's standing right there. She looks at him and says, oh, are you getting off? <laughs> yeah. Well, she gets out of the elevator, and... uh there's this guy, and she's like, oh, Dr. Hackett. And this guy turns around, and he's like, oh, I'm not a doctor. I just play one on TV, and that's why I recommend this medication. And I don't know who that guy was. Was he, like, some sitcom doctor guy? Yeah, there's not really a whole lot here and trivia for this movie. But, uh, so she eventually finds Dr. Hackett, and, uh, I do love the visual gag when he's, uh, she's like, you know, uh, I vomited all over my husband. He's like solid or, or what does he say? Solid or chunky? Yes. Smooth or chunky? And she's like, ah, smooth. And he's like, well, I had a couple cases of the flu come in. And you see a guy in the. There was a. We get this one scene where. He's attending to this guy who just got like a arm transplant or something. He's like. You take a few good weeks of rest, and we'll see what we can do about that arm. Yeah, I like it. It's just a bad, It's just a shame that guy had to die for me to get it. The doctor walks out, and the arm tries to, like, take him down with, like, a wrestling move or something. <laughs> so they run a whole bunch of tests on Nancy. And I like, dude, they got that woman there with the mustache. Yeah, and I like, and, uh, uh, they do a bunch of tests and what they end up doing come, uh, plays out kind of like a game of jeopardy. Like we had all our best doctors look at you and survey said, I don't know. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah. I like how it like opens up with the, I don't know behind him. <laughs> But, uh, so Nancy's walking home and she's like, I don't know what I did to deserve this. I, after my exorcist, I strive to live a nice, clean, healthy life. I've never done anything bad. Well, except maybe watch that Rob Lowe video. (laughs) And she, she's like, Lord, give me a sign. And I like this gag here where, like, there's a blind guy waiting at the corner stop. And they got, like, a speaker to let blind people know when to cross. Well, this woman comes up behind the blind guy with a cuckoo's clock. And the clock goes off and makes a different sound. So the guy thinks that it's time to cross and he ends up getting hit run over. Yeah, I do like that gag. Well, Nancy, she looks over and she notices the church. And she's like... And they got like that, hallelujah, hallelujah. And it's, so they, uh, uh, what's the name? It's like Our Lady of something. Yeah, Our Lady of the Evening. I thought that was hilarious. So Leslie Nielsen is narrating, talking about how Nancy 
wasn't the only one looking for spiritual guidance. There were a lot of other you know, people and women of the street. And we cut, there's like four prostitutes in line. But the biggest joke of this scene is we cut inside to the podium and people are coming in and a guy in a military uniform says, my name is North, ma'am. I have a reservation. Uh, yes, Ollie North. Uh, she asks him a question. This guy reaches over and whispers in his ear. I don't recall counsel. You know what <laughs> that's a joke for, right? Yeah, the Iran Contra, Oliver yep, North. Yep, Iran Contra and Oliver North. I thought that was a really fun. That was a. I thought that was a really nice, funny, like gag because that was probably still in people's minds at that point. Iran Contra and the whole Reagan situation. Yeah, this movie has a lot of like kind of like current event jokes that. Uh... Honestly, those are the ones that made me laugh hardest. <laughs> so we are uh, introduced in the next scene. Uh, Nancy goes to a sermon uh, done by Father Luke Brophy, played by Anthony Stark. And this guy uh, cannot relate at all. <laughs> yeah, this guy is not a good. We're going to find out that part of his problem is he's uh, losing his faith. But boy, man, if I had to sit through this guy's sermon, I would. Oof. And we cut back to Leslie Nielsen and he's like, he's like, I said he was, uh, what does he say? He's like, I said he was like, you know, young and energetic. I didn't say he was articulate. <laughs> I'm looking at his, uh, Anthony Stark's uh, filmography here. He hasn't been in a whole lot. He's been in repossessed. He was in License to Kill, one of the James Bond films. He was in 18 again. Oh, he was in Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Damn, what's the connection? Leslie Nielsen was in that, right? He said. I don't know. Leslie Nielsen's not in uh, Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Uh, George Clooney and John Astin are in it, though. If you like uh, John Astin. Ah, uh, I'd have to look him up. He was the original, he was like the original Gomez Adams. Oh, okay, yes, yes, yes. Like the original, original Gomez Adams. Okay, yes, I do know who you're talking about. Huh. Wow, that's weird, because Return of the Killer Tomatoes is one of my favorite B-level movies, and I never put the connection that the guy that played Chad and Luke Brophy in this movie were one and the same. That's amazing. There you go. Um, he was in a movie called Nowhere to Run. His most recent thing was a 2020 film called The Scorpion's Tale. So he's had a little bit of a career, but it looks like he's had a lot more. Like a lot of these guys, a lot more like TV credits. CSI Miami, CSI, NCIS, ER, Nip Tuck, Prison Break, Seinfeld. Uh, why is it that every movie we do, someone in the cast was on Beverly Hills 90210? 
that probably says more about the quality of movies we choose to do than anything. <laughs> Charmed. Uh, isn't that a show about witches? I think so. I've never seen it, though. But, uh, yeah, so, Anthony Stark, ladies and gentlemen, big TV guy. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so Leslie Nielsen says, you know, this guy's kind of losing his faith. And I did like him uh, reading a book. And did I read this right, Cordell? It's uh, Believe in Yourself by Charles Manson. Yes. (laughs) I I actually did. I wrote that one down so I wouldn't forget it. And uh, so Linda Blair kind of, uh, well, first what they do is they kind of, you know, collect the offering at church. And I love that the one guy puts in poker chips. Yes. And I like that Leslie Nielsen is saying, like, Father Brophy has all these questions going through his mind. And one of them is, why weren't there any Japanese players in the NBA? (laughs) And uh, so. This uh, nun comes up to him and is basically like, uh, you know, father, there was a note left for you in the offering. And uh, it's basically because Linda Blair was, you know, watching his sermon. And she calls him. So he opens the note and we cut back to Father May I at the college. And this is where we get our first question from the nerd. So Father May I. Yes. Is it true that priests and nuns have orgies in the Vatican? What? Yeah, this guy's fucking funny. And he kind of becomes like the main guy we cut back to for the rest of the movie. I was just like, I want to know why this guy was like, why, why that question? But, um, yeah, I, and unfortunately, the nerd is not listed in the credits here. That kind of sucks. Because I kind of wanted to know who he was. So Father Brophy, he comes over to the uh, Aglet house. And I think it's pretty funny that just as he comes over, the dad is like to the kids, let's play with the spirit board. Did you catch the gag when he called Nancy? How he left the phone? off the receiver when he hung up and she like just reached over into his scene and put it back on the receiver. Oh no, I missed that. <laughs> Actually. But oh, uh now oh, that was funny. This is the joke that made me fucking lose my shit. Oh my gosh, dude, this my mouth dropped at this joke. <laughs> Cuz Father Brophy comes over and the dad's like to the kids, let's play with the spirit board. <laughs> and he, he pulls out a Ouija board and he asks it, will Ted Kennedy ever be president? And the fucking thing goes like flying across the room. Knocking like, shit down. It knocks off this like thing that like triggers this car on top of the mantle to like crash through the fence and fall into the fish tank. And if you're familiar with the politician Ted Kennedy, you know why that's hilarious. <laughs> Wasn't he the Kennedy that was 
running to become president, and then he got into a car accident. He drove his truck, his vehicle into the lake or something by accident, and the woman that was with him died, perished. Yeah, I don't know all the details, but yeah, basically this chick he was partying with, allegedly, you know, uh, ended up drowned in his vehicle off the, uh, over a bridge. And uh, I don't want to get too much into our political thing, but can you believe the guy got reelected after that, Cordell? Like, what the fuck? He was really riding on the Kennedy name. Like, imagine that. Like, because, like, and obviously, I think he even kind of, like, you know, got away with it. Like, I think he got, like, a slap on the wrist pretty much. But, yeah, like, the dude fucking drove his car off a bridge and a woman died in it. And, like, nobody cared. Which just goes to show you how much political power the Kennedys have up in Massachusetts. But that's neither here nor there. (laughs) But, yeah, dude, I fucking... I lost my shit at that. I was like, did they really just make that joke? <laughs> That's amazing, dude. Because that would have happened around the time this movie was what made, right? No, I think it was like a couple decades before, actually. Let me look that up. I think that was in like the 60s. Well... Because I know 63, JFK was assassinated. And then a couple years after that, Robert Kennedy was killed at the hotel in California. I don't know. I don't know when that happened. Uh, It was 1969. Kennedy left a party. Uh, He maintains his intent was to immediately take his companion, Mary Jo Kopchekny, home. Uh, He accidentally made a wrong turn onto a dirt road leading to a one-lane bridge. After his car skidded off the bridge into the pond, Kennedy swam free and maintained he tried to rescue her from the submerged car, but that he could not. Um, Kennedy left the scene and did not report the incident until 10 a.m. Saturday. Meanwhile, a sheriff's de- deputy uh, found it at 12.30 a.m. So, court uh, hearing... Yeah, pled- I don't know. That sounds pretty criminal to me. Kennedy pled guilty to a charge of leaving the scene at an accident, and he got a two-month suspended jail sentence. So that just goes to show you, listeners, how, uh, you know, we really hold our elected people accountable. <laughs> oh... But uh, anything to say about that, Cordell? No, other than that's one of your shit. <laughs> not the accident. Not like, no, not the accident. I mean, the joke in the movie. All right. I just want to say this quick because this cracks me up. A mock advertisement in National Lampoon showed a Volkswagen Beetle showing the vehicle's underside so we sealed so well it would float on water with the caption, if Ted Kennedy drove a Volkswagen, he'd be president. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So Nancy but, comes out, and she's, like, she's in, like, demon mode. And she's like, I told you never to play with that thing in here again. Well, she uh, quickly overcomes herself, and she runs to her bedroom. And she's uh, followed by Father uh, Brophy. And she's trying to uh, explain to her what 
explain to him what's going on. And I, but I, oh, I always forget this joke. But like she pulls out something out of her dresser and sent, gives it to him, and she must have given him like the wrong, like certificate, because she goes back and she grabs the other one and it's a people seal of possession signed by the Pope. And did you notice for the Pope's signature, it's just in like magic marker and says. Pope. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, she gets the papal seal of possession, and uh, she's basically like, you know, oh, won't you help me? And I, I forget how this goes down, Cordell, but she does, like, demon out and starts, like, throwing him around. Yeah, so she, he gives her his rosary uh, and says he'll do what he can to help her. Well, she demons out. She throws him into, like, the closet, and then she throws him on the bed. She hops on top of him and starts saying, this broad is mine. This broad is mine. You understand? Well, the kid's running, and his, and her son goes, Dad, Mom's humping the priest. <laughs> well, Braden runs in and tries to get her off, and he ends up getting punched in the dick for it. Yeah. But uh... we cut outside the door, and Braden brings Father Brophy a... Uh, camera what it gives him a camera and what else does he and give a him a recorder and he goes father what's going on we just had to tie my wife to the bed i've never had to do anything like that well Man. except for that one day when the kids were away at camp and I love, I love how the pre, the father Brody puts the do not disturb sign on the door. So father Brophy goes in, he tries to like stop making small talk. He goes, hey Nancy, you certainly don't look like you did a few minutes ago. Well, Nancy's completely demoned out at this point. She's not there. This is Satan. And he starts throwing it back at. Uh, Father Brophy telling him that he's weak and he's not going to be able to defeat him. And he goes, that may be, but you are but one entity. I represent the belief of millions. Do you know that the Christian religion has over a billion followers? Big deal. So does Wheel of Fortune. So don't try to impress me with numbers. I hate all forms of religion. And I hate anyone who does not bow before me, no matter if they call themselves a Catholic, a Protestant, a Christian, or a Jew. Yeah, and I gotta say, I give Linda Blair, I think Linda Blair is really good in this, this whole movie, honestly. But this scene especially. So, Father, uh, so Brophy, he tries to, uh, he tries to throw it back at her and says, like, she kind of, uh, like, mocks him and says, look at you, putting all your belief into a god that you've never even seen before. And he throws it back at her and says, I don't have to see him, for the Bible says that God made man in his own image. Oh, yeah. How do you explain, do you explain Pee-, Pee Wee Herman? <laughs> <laughs> so... Brophy gets a little, like, agitated at this point. He goes, you're really the devil? 
prove it. Do something. Uh, do something supernatural, where she causes one of the bed posts to like shoot, spit fire out. Not impressed, huh? Well, how about if I make the film break? <laughs> kind of break the film. One and of then, my favorite. Uh, she spits the little head out at at Brophy. How do you like a souvenir for my last conquest? She spits out this little like model head of uh, Leslie Nielsen. Father Brophy, meet Father May I? <laughs> we got the May I. I never thought that looked like me. Does that look like me? I looked at. I think that looks like Phil Donio. Which completely goes over my head. Yeah, I don't. Well, uh, Luke, I don't get that joke ever. Well, Luke, he comes. He exits the room and he uh, he switches the sign from "Do Not Disturb" to "Maid, Please." So a maid goes in now. But when she breaks the film, we we I love the joke where we cut back and it's Leslie Nielsen using his regular voice and he's like talking about dinner that night. He's like, no, no feathers, we'll use the whole chicken. <laughs> and then he's like, oh shit, and he ducks back down. Father Brophy was very disturbed. <laughs> and he just gets like right back into it. <laughs> so yeah, Raiden uh, comes up and says, well, what's wrong with her? Mr. Aglet, I don't want to sound like to alarm you, but I think that Nancy is dun, 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 and like they keep like, you notice how like they keep like edging forward at him and he like backs up. And they it's like this little funny suspense thing, like dun, 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 possessed by the devil. <laughs> Braden just like, oh no, and the kids are like. See, I told you, bullcrap. I still think it's PMS. Well, I think the whole, I thought the whole joke there is they were like, as soon as someone was going to say repossessed, the music like swelled because later they do it again. Yes. So I thought the joke was like, you thought he was going to say repossessed, but then he just said like possessed by the devil. But yeah, so, uh, so we get, uh, Broden. He's driving uh, driving home, and uh, he sees some guy holding up a sign, like, you know, map of retired exorcists. <laughs> and uh, I love how he, like, drives through, like, construction to get to the guy. What does he do? Does he, like, cover a manhole and, like, traps the workers down there? Yeah, something like that. And like, hey, I can't see. What's going on up there? So he gets this map and uh, he goes to this, like, you know, retired exorcist home in search of Father May I. Oh, remember, he tries to call Father May I, but all he gets is Father May I's party line. <laughs> yeah, and the phone actually, like, sticks a horn out at him or something. But uh, so he runs up to this uh, this house and he runs inside up to a nun at the desk. And he's like, oh, you know, can I, uh, what room is Father May I in? And she's like, hands out. <laughs> Hold out your hands. She, <laughs> playing on that joke about how nuns will, like, 
you do something a nun doesn't like and she beats you with a ruler. Hey, she I smacks believe... a with a ruler. It's like no running in the hall. Now, how can I help you? He's like, I'm looking for Father May I? He's like, upstairs on the left, something like that. Well, he goes to run again and she goes, ah, ah, ah. He walks back over, sticks his hands back out, and she smacks his hands again. <laughs> he goes up to uh, Father May I's room and knocks on the, uh, hits the doorbell. And Leslie Nielsen's like, hello, who is it? Brophy walks in and goes, Father, may I? Yes, you may. We're going to get a couple jokes like that where it's like the double entendre of his last name being like, oh, may I do this? Yeah, that's like kind of like a running gag throughout the whole movie, especially when they cut back to the like nerd, they do that, you know? So Father Bopey starts telling him about uh, about Nancy, and at first he's like, "I doesn't." He's like, "Nancy Aglet, I don't remember the name, or maybe you'll recall her exorcist." Oh dear Lord! Oh, little Nancy Belschwinger. I don't know if I said that correctly, because quite frankly, I don't know what that last name is. But he says, she barely survived the exorcist, as did I. And you said she needs my help? I fear that Nancy has been... Repossessed. And the camera zooms in and presses against Mei's face as he goes... Repossessed! Yeah, he's asked to unstick his face from the camera. We possessed. What do you make you say that? She's displaying all the classic symptoms: uh, unho- ungodly voice, contorted facial expressions. Well, that doesn't mean anything. She could have PMS. Yeah. And uh, this is when we kind of get into like they really make fun of the whole like Luke, like they use like kind of like a Star Wars knockoff. Yep. Because May I is basically. Yeah, saying that he can't do it anymore because of his heart. After his first bout with the devil, his his heart start went bad. And and he he's go, like, but I, I I like the Star Wars weapons. They do like a little play on the Star Wars music, and they go and he goes. He tells Luke that he has to do the exorcism because Luke, it is your destiny. Is this the scene when he's when he's what? Oh boy, don't tell me, Luke. Luke is. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. What What happened? I don't know. It just you cut out on me. Are you sure you didn't just mute me? You got sick and tired of hearing me talk? Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. I can hear you fine. Oh, weird. 
That's really strange. Technical difficulty, folks. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, that's really strange. I don't know. Yeah, you've been uh you've been cutting out like in and out every so often. This is a heads up. Uh, I'll listen back. I hope it ain't that bad. No, it hasn't been that bad. I guess just uh cut this like five minutes out. <laughs> <laughs> or leave it in. Fuck it. I don't care. Alright, yes. Uh all right, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, yeah, because I was like talking the whole time. Yeah, so basically you were talking about how um, Luke went goes to Mei and Mei tells him he can't do the exorcist and he tells Luke he has to do it. Yeah, so this is when they do the whole, like, what you were saying, like, they do the whole Star Wars theme, kind of a parody of it, and he's like, you know, Luke. Uh, what did he say, Cordell, you just said? It is your destiny. And is this when he's, like, use the faith? Yes. You use yeah. the faith, Luke. <laughs> he basically uh, no. tells Luke that maybe this is God's way of helping Luke restore his faith because God works in mysterious ways. Well, he and shows it, Luke out, and the TV announcer goes, In other news, Father May I is completely chickened out and can't, will not face the devil. He hits the TV with his duster and causes the news anchor to just collapse to the ground. Papers go flying. And this is the funniest cutback, I thought, because we cut back and the nerd is like, I forget I forget what he says. Do you have it, Cordell, when he's like, don't you feel like a piece of slime he's or whatever? Like, Didn't you feel like a wordless piece of primordial ooze but not helping Father Brophy? And may I just ignore them? Goes next question. <laughs> That's not even the funniest one to me. Oh no, this is the one that made no, me. No, the laugh. funniest one is the next one. So, uh, so, go ahead. Yeah, so this is when uh, Father Brophy he goes to the uh, you know Supreme Council of Exorcism. And uh, this scene kind of this confused me. He meets all the various uh, the various priests, but then it breaks into rap. Okay, so he goes up and he gets into. Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking at the cast list on IMDb so I can find the names because I, I actually like this. I thought this was funny. He goes in and he meets uh, the four fathers, Father Crosby, Father Stills, Father Young, and Father Nash. And when he gets to Father Nash, they do like this like street hood like hand gesture with each other. (laughs) And then it cuts to Father Brophy at the college doing like a little rap battle going, I'm going to tell you all about a mother who's fly. I'm talking about my homeboy, Father May I. Cast out the devil and he didn't even yell. Now it's now it's chill, guys chilling in a place called hell. Yeah, I just was like, what on earth? So Brophy has gone before uh, these priests to get you know the warrant to 
do an exorcism. Well, this is when uh, Ernest and Fanny walk in. And I like Brophy. He's like, what? He's like, all due respect, what are they doing here? It's part of our new outreach program that we, that the church has adopted. I can never see the Catholic Church teaming up with televangelists. I just couldn't. Yeah, now that you mention it, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But uh, basically, Brophy, he has like a whole slideshow prepared. And uh, I thought this was kind of amusing. They redo the Repossessed song from the opening credits, and we kind of get this whole like montage of what we've seen already. And I, I like how, like, Fanny is, like, all disinterested in it. Yeah, she's, like, chewing bubblegum. Well, and... she turns, they turn the light on, and they're like, Father Brophy, do you have anything else that we might need to make our decision? Did I mention that Miss Aglet gave me a little head? <laughs> <laughs> and Fanny's, like, chewing, like, just, like, pops the bubblegum and just looks wide-eyed like excuse me he yeah. pulls out the little head of father mayak well ernest uh gets up there and proposes um ernest gets up there and uh conclu- says like i believe that an exorcism is wanted but let's televise this exorcism I don't like this guy. Nah, he's pretty Is it Does it cut? He's So, okay, so this is a scene where they cut. So we cut to them after a, uh, he's at, like, the TV studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he manages to convince, um, they make a deal to where, like, they think that it'll convert millions, and obviously, you know, Ernest is in this to make millions of dollars. So the network picks up uh, the program, which is going to be called Ernest and Fanny's Exorcism Tonight. And then this is where we get uh, probably one of the most fucked up scenes in the movie, inside the limo. I like the well, the most fucked up part is the throwaway line is like one stooge is like or he's like ever since your uh you know midnight uh excursions with the all boys choir oh. the ratings have gone down which I'm like damn he's like you need this to be a hit or your program is off and he's like or he's like try to be a little more positive okay. Well, he gets a hold of Fufu's ball, and they're at a stop sign. And he looks out, and there's a couple guys with a um, wood chipper, wood chipper, like wood, uh, chipping up uh, tree branches. So he takes Fufu's ball and throws it into the fucking wood chipper, and this dog launches itself out of the fucking car <laughs> into the wood. <laughs> pink fluff goes everywhere and I love the look on one of the workers faces when that dog goes into the wood chipper 
he just stands up and throws down the tree branch and just like has this look on his face of like what the fuck yeah i was like i had to do like a double take i was like did he just throw the dog in the wood chipper (laughs) no the dog launched itself into the wood chipper to go after the ball (laughs) and he's like boo 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 honey where's boo boo and now then you get the audience bye foo foo <laughs> oh boy so after this this is when uh ernest visits uh nancy and i don't think like is there any big like joke he basically is like oh yeah like she's the real deal we're gonna you know televise this no, he just visits her and tries to put on a show, says, I shall cast these spirits on the bottle of this poor, poor woman's soul. And she basically tells him to eat shit and die. <laughs> yeah. Well, he reaches over to, he leans uh, to Brophy and says, wait till they get a load of this. And this is when uh, Nancy, uh, Devil Nancy, she looks at the camera and goes, wait till they get a load of me. Which is uh what Jack Nicholson says in the uh, Batman. I don't know if that's like the joke. So we cut to uh, Father Mayai, and he is basically uh, telling the class that he could sense the forces of darkness getting stronger, and he knew that it wasn't Nancy Satan wanted; it was him. So he had to build up his body. <laughs> so he goes to. He goes to Bodzar Us. No shit. That is literally the name of the place. Bodzar Us. Yeah, this is uh, this is what I like to call, like, you know, 15 minutes of just shenanigans. Where this, he goes. This is a good. This is a fun montage, though. Like, we get that song, Pump Up the Jam. And uh, yeah, the he goes to the gym, and uh, I do like the gag where the guy gives him like the the guy who's Jake Steinfeld, um, who you might I don't know if this sounds familiar, Cordell, but he had like a muscle program called Body by Jake. If that sounds familiar at all, I've never heard of it, but I can believe it. But believe it or not, Cordell, this guy here has a slasher movie connection. I got some trivia for you. Ooh, do shale. Uh, the trainer there, you know, the guy who uh, is like the trainer in the gym. He is Jake Steinfeld, and he was the killer in a 1981 slasher film called Home Sweet Home, which is... I feel the, like I've heard of that movie. The first ever Thanksgiving slasher film. Oh, there you go. And uh, I don't think it's available on anything but VHS, but yes, that guy there was a killer in a slasher film. I haven't seen it, but I would like to, so there you go. But uh, yeah, I like, he gives Leslie Nielsen this, uh, this like, you know, wristwatch thing where he's like, you know, every, piece of- every time heart rate gets raised, uh, it'll beep. Every time, like, these beautiful women and, like, those, like, yoga, leotard, uh, body suits walk by and everything his heart rate goes up and he keeps having to like cover it up and i like uh 
I like Jake Steinfeld. He's like, let's pump it up for the Lord. And then uh, what, I like one of my favorite one of my favorite gags is when he like so he walks out with a shirt on that says like something of like the blind. Hold on, let me because I think it was in the. Let me go to the trivia section here quickly. I could have swore like there was something on his shirt. I thought was hilarious. I like how uh while you're doing that, like a little bit like after the scene broke Brody what the fuck is Luke's last name? Brophy? Yeah. Father Brophy. Brophy walks in and the clerk's like, is there a convention in town? He's like, Hi father, is there a convention in town? Okay, so I'm Father May I sweatshirt at the gym, it says Our Lady of the Blinding Vision. Yeah, well, on the back it says donated by motorcycle accident you don't collect you don't pay call 1-800-LAWYERS the res 2 <laughs> well that's the name of the church that uh, Brophy is a uh, member of no that's Our Lady of the Night how is it? Our Lady of the Blind okay that's funny so he walked out onto the floor and there's like this woman in like a yellow like bodysuit like doing i don't know what the machine is where she's like moving her arms back and forth but it's like pushing her chest out with each uh push that she does and like may i put on his like glasses and sees it and he's like oh, and he has to like whip his glasses off <laughs> but what i think is hilarious is like a couple minutes later father brophy comes out and sees the same woman and she's got like a smile on her face. Like, I don't know, maybe like she's hitting on Brophy, but she's like, mmm. He's like just looking at it like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the gag through this montage how Brophy keeps getting like injured. Yes. Because, yeah, so he go, he goes up to Father Mayai, and he's, you know, telling him about the televised exorcism. And Mayai, I like when he's, like, he's, like, punching forward with, like, these, like, ropes attached to his arms. And Mayai is all outraged that, you know, Ernest is going to do the exorcism. You know, he's like, ah, oh, that guy's a charlatan. And uh, he, he stretches it so far, he gets, like, slingshotted back. I like when they're doing like the yoga and like the like movements out on the floor with everybody else. And there's like this dog out there with a beeper on. And he sees Brophy and Mayai. Brophy's on the floor talking up to Mayai. And the dog's beeper starts going off. Yeah, we get treated to uh, Leslie Nielsen in, like, a pink uh, unitard. Well, finally, uh, Mayai, he goes, he thinks he's going to the men's restroom. He accidentally walks into the women's. Yeah, we get this series, like, going through this locker, like, pulling out, like, panties and a bra while, like, naked women are showering in the background. (laughs) He comes out and he tells, uh... He tells the main guy, 
what was his name? Jake Steinfeld. He's yeah. like, something's wrong. All my clothes are gone and everything. And replaced with this. He takes it. He says, Father, I think there's something wrong with you. <laughs> well, Father, a couple more like beautiful women walk by, and this causes kind of Father May I to almost have like a horny stroke. <laughs> yeah, he like collapses. <laughs> He's like muttering something. We cut back to the woman in the yellow, and she's like, she's pumped up her boobs, like, huge, and, like, all of a sudden there's, like, a huge explosion that gets everyone's attention. Yeah. Yeah, if you can't tell, listeners, like, the whole gym scene, like, not a whole, it's just, like, a whole series of, like, gags, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't really serve a purpose other than, like, Look at Leslie Nielsen doing this funny thing. Which, you know, is kind of the whole point. But uh, I do like the one scene when uh, Brophy goes in and Father Mayai is like dressed up as like Rambo in the background <laughs> and he can't see him. Well, no, he he notices him because then he backs up and he just stands right next to him. Oh, I forgot about that scene. That scene's funny. And we also get shenanigans. There's like a gay guy at the gym and like he's hitting a yeah. film. I like there's a scene when uh Jake Steinfeld accidentally gets um launched in front of the gay guy. <laughs> and the guy's like, well, hello there. How you doing? I've always wanted a personal trainer. Check, please. And then Brophy comes up and he's like, I'm looking for a man. Okay, guys, like, get your own. <laughs> <laughs> get your own. This one's already taken. But, uh, so after after this all these kind of like gym shenanigans, uh, we cut to the uh, you know televised exorcism, and it's like a whole red carpet event. You know, there's tons of people out there, and uh, we get these guys you know kind of narrating, and they're like, and who's coming up now? It's Sean Penn, and we just see all these guys getting like punched out. Which I don't get that joke. You get the joke, Cordell? Uh, no. Let me look up who Sean Penn is. And maybe that'll make sense. Well, he's a he's a famous actor, but I don't know if he's famous for like beating up paparazzi or anything like that. Um, acting, acting, writing. Oh, okay. The joke is that. Uh, Pled no contest in 1985 to charges that he assaulted two journalists when they tried to photograph him and Madonna in Nashville. 1986, Penn was charged for assaulting Lionel Barallo, correspondent for Hong Kong newspaper after he photographed, photographed Madonna. And so basically, the joke was, because I guess the people he was punching out in the film were photographers. He punches out photographers. <laughs> but yeah, then a uh, then another limo rolls up, and it's uh, Ernest and Fanny. 
and uh, not much of a big red carpet event, huh? I do like the joke when uh, Ernest gets up there and the guy's like, you got any words for the crowd? And he's like, go home and watch this on TV. And the whole crowd just leaves. <laughs> and. Uh... Yeah, so, yeah so, so from this point, it's going to be like a lot of buffoonery. <laughs> so we cut to uh, Ernest and Fanny inside their like dressing room. And this joke cracked me up, Cordell, because uh, the guy's like, all right, five minutes till you're live. And Fanny's like, oh, I got to change. And so now she's carrying a cat. And uh, so she's op- she opens up this closet door. and It's just all these like little frou-frou dogs and cats like hanging there. Well, this is where we really see uh, Ernest's game plan, because... Fanny, like, she's going into this thing and they're going up against the devil. And Ernest is like, Miss Aglet is not the devil. She is some nut job who's going to help us make a lot of money. So, I mean, at this point, if you don't think Ernest is not a good guy, this right here just sells it. This is, he's just doing this to get rich. Oh, yeah, no, he's a scumbag. So, uh, so yeah, they they get out there with the TV audience and TV cameras, and uh, they kind of have uh, Nancy strapped to her bed. And I guess they've kind of, like, recreated her bedroom on stage. Yeah, kind of. And they drag her out, and uh, they also have, like, a whole telethon going on with, like, all these people set up to receive calls of, like, how much money they're making. I like the line from one of Nancy's kids when they see her. She's like, wow, mom looks terrible. Well, they do say TV, and her husband's like, well, they do say TV adds 10 pounds. And, uh. Nothing. Nothing out of that one. <laughs> oh, I, I like that the, the dad and the kids are like eating popcorn or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, that was pretty good. And now this is when we just kind of like, and I don't know if some of these jokes went over my head, Cordell, but like we get uh, this whole like sort of just montage of like. Uh, I like the line when Ernest goes up and they're like, let, the, let us begin. And he, he starts like yelling at Nancy saying, I cast thee back to hell. To hell. I cast thee back to hell. To hell. <laughs> and Nancy just looks at Ernest and goes, leave your, na- leave your number and resume at the door, and I'll get back to you. Yeah, Linda Blair's funny, man. She's, she's pretty fucking amusing. My, my favorite thing about Linda Blair in this is, like, whenever, like, they bring out these people to, like, whatever they're doing for this exorcist she's always got this look of like what the hell is this yeah i noticed that like uh i'm trying to remember like the one guy they bring out she basically has this look of like what the fuck (laughs) there's a funny piece of trivia here about um about this movie there was a deleted scene where Linda Blair's character eats cockroaches. 
And I don't know if this means, it says here, Jim Carrey insisted real cockroaches be used. I don't know if there's somebody in this movie that shares that shares the name Jim Carrey. Or if Linda Blair was like dating Jim Carrey or something at this time. But uh, Linda Blair was upset at the scene getting cut because she was forced to eat cockroaches for nothing. Wait, she ate actual cockroaches? Yep. Oh, that's all. Yep. I, you know what? I have heard, Cordell, that among actors, that is kind of like a badge of honor. If you ever have a role where you have to eat like a bug, if you like actually, you know, eat the actual bug, it's kind of a, it's kind of like, you know, like a true test of if you're a real actor or not. I don't know, man. Cockroaches? Ugh. Hey, it's all It's all for the art. (laughs) So we get, so yeah, basically what we get here is this montage of uh, like a bunch of um, like this guy comes out, he almost looks like Donald Trump. He's like, oh, you're the devil, huh? Well, why'd you, like, why did you uh, possess a woman? You're like wearing a dress. And Nancy just like sprays like this fog in his face that knocks him the fuck out. Yeah, I didn't get, uh, I don't know who that guy is. Did you figure that out? No. Some sort of cameo or like parody of something. Um, They have like the bed that she's on wired up to like move. They got wind machines. Um, I do think because we, we don't really hear it, but there's like a cut scene where like the forefathers from the meeting that Brophy had, it looks like they come up to Ernest and they're like yelling at him or something and telling him that they're done. I did notice that. There's like a brief shot of them like kind of like running out. So you're saying it was a deleted scene? No, that, no, the, the scene's in the movie. I just... It would have been nice to have like some vocals to that scene. Like, why? Because it looks, because they look pissed off. Yeah, it's in the montage you're talking about, right? Yeah, they look pissed off. It looks like they've, you know, they've been fooled. They know that this isn't like an actual exorcist. This is just some money making scheme and they get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah, I was trying to think. I don't, yeah, because after this scene, we don't see them again in the rest of the movie, right? Nope. We get the other religious figures, but not any of those guys. So, um, oh, this, this montage, montage this, this montage ends with Fanny trying to sing. What do you got to say about her singing, man? Honest to God, dude, I have, like, nothing on her singing. I just know this is when they get like the gift package, right? And the, uh, this is when, uh, Ernest is like, I want to announce that you know we have the largest TV audience ever. We should mention that the, the movie keeps skipping back to Father May I at his apartment, and he's got like oh, yes. a <laughs> he's got like something over his eyes, something in his ears. He's wearing like a diver's helmet. He takes he goes to the bathroom. I love when uh, he's wearing the helmet and it cuts back and he has the helmet on backwards. 
And then, yeah, when she's singing, it cuts to Father May I, and he's got cotton in his ears. <laughs> there was one point in the montage where they brought out, like, a snake charmer or something. And fucking Ernest, like, pushes that cat, Fanny's cat into the snake basket. Ah, yeah. <laughs> he just does not <laughs> like pets, man. So, um... But yeah, he gets a gift basket and uh, comes out and says, you know, we got, uh, like, they have the largest audience in television history. Well, this is where uh, Satan decides that, okay, I've had enough of this charade. He causes the studio to catch on fire and everything. Yeah, we get these, like, kind of, like, we get the cartoon effects where she, like, sets the stage on fire and uh, blows up the TV. And uh, this is when kind of, like, the audience all, like, panics and gets the hell out of there. And I like how we we cut and see this one guy who stops to, like, tie his shoes. Well, Nancy's family, they go and get ropey. Well the devil he's left alone with Ernest and Fanny and he uh, basically tells them you know we're like both you and I we use people to get what we want and then when we don't need them anymore we discard them I used you to get the largest audience in the world now I don't need you so now the question is what do I do with a couple of jackasses like you Look over there. They turn in. He like does like a blinking motion and turns them into a pantomime horse. I didn't understand this. Did he just like put a horse costume on them or were we supposed to like believe they got turned into a horse? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I always took it to mean like he actually turned them into a jackass or something, but it could have just been like a costume. Doesn't, like, the horse, like, fall... Doesn't it fall apart as they, like, fall off the stage? I don't know. I can't... It kind of was a weird sequence. Because we're going to see he he does the same thing to Father Mayai here in a bit. Yeah, I I guess it is proven that uh, Linda Blair, or, you know, the devil, is able to... Manipulate appearances. Yeah, like transform people. So, all right, I'll take it as he actually turned them into a jackass. So, Satan shuts off the water and pulls the um, camera close to the Nancy. Because this is how, uh, I guess, the devil wants to get more disciples. Well, Father Brophy comes out onto the camera and says, if you are a believer in God and a, and a Religious figure or something of that. Please come to the studio. When Nancy gets up and she knocks uh, Father Brophy down. And she goes, oh, sorry. He's not really used to being on TV much. <laughs> well, Brophy go- grabs one of the um, cables from the TV. From the... I'm not sure what the cable is, like what it's exactly hooked to. But I think it's like I think it like let the 
Yeah, like broadcasting. He throws it on the water and shocks Nancy, causing her to fly back onto the bed. And, gets, uh, yeah, well, Nancy, she gets up. Well, devil Nancy, she gets up and she says, oh, you think you've won? You think you've stopped me? Well, I have other ways of getting a hold of these people. She runs and she starts to run out and Brophy's like, Satan, stop. Where are you going? I'm going to Disneyland. <laughs> well, she runs out and out of the studio into the hallway and there's like these golf carts. And well, Brophy follows her and she's like, Stop. Well, she's like, Stop. Oh, I swear, Father, may I will burn in hell forever. You can't burn what you don't have. Burn this. And she does like that where she like grabs a crotch motion. <laughs> yeah. Pulls up. We get yeah. like this fun we get like this fun little like golf cart chase through the studio. Hey, have you have you ever driven a golf cart? Those are fun. Those are fun yes. to fucker. I like how they <laughs> pass like this tour guide giving this group a tour of the studio. And they cause the woman to like fly backwards into the like glass. And one of the guests goes, Awesome. I didn't know this tour was gonna have stunt acting. Well, th- did you hear what she said right before that? The tour guide, she's saying, and that's why studio executives like, you know, eighteen year old blonde college co eds as their assistants. <laughs> I like when they uh they knock over the thing of fruit too, and it's like traditional cart or whatever. <laughs> they got a like really like catchy song playing like chasing the devil, chasing the devil. Oh, at this point, all the major religious figures of the world have arrived. You got the Pope, you got like the religious figures from India, the Middle East. Got a, nuns, tribal leaders in Africa. Yeah, so they like, and this part, so they basically like chase after her, and she like hops up onto this like satellite dish. And, uh. Well, did you get this... the Frankenstein callback? Well, she like summons all the lightning to her, right? No. You 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 missed the Frankenstein bit. So they start chasing her. Oh yes. And, and Father that. Brophy calls out, says, "Stop, you monster!" And she like hisses back at him. Well, then it cuts back to the mob, and they got like hound dogs and pitchforks and torches. It's like the scene straight out of Frankenstein. Yeah, I did think. I that thought that it's just like I thought that was kind of like a cool. Like nod. Well, yeah, like you were saying, so she hops up on this uh, giant uh, satellite dish. Well, Brophy goes to shut off. There's like a giant switch on the wall that says broadcast on and off. (laughs) Well, she causes the fire to engulf around it so he can't get to it. He's like, what's the matter, bro? We can't take that heat. 
Well, she calls upon the forces of darkness to come to her bidding so she can, as she puts it, convert uh, the couch potatoes into her disciples. Well, he put, well, Wilfrey pulls out a crucifix and says, you man enough for a real challenge? A challenge from you? Oh, don't make me laugh, my skittle puke. Not me. May I? May I? What's he going to do? He's washed up and retired. Not before. Oh, what did she say? Is like that washed out geezer left years ago. And Brophy goes, not before he kicked your slimy butt. Wait, no fail. The fight was fixed. I want a rematch. And this is when we get uh, Jesse Ventura and his... Mean Jean Green, Mean Green Jean Oakland. Now, do you know these guys, Cordell? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. So, uh, Mean Jean was a professional wrestling announcer, interviewer, and television host. He did a lot of work for, you know, the WWF. Um, like you could type up Mean Gene on YouTube and there's like all his interviews with like Macho Man, Hulk Hogan and uh, Jesse Ventura was also a wrestler like this is like you gotta understand like this was back in like the 70s and 80s of wrestling but uh, this is before. What? You cut out again. Hello. What? Did you hear me? Yeah, you you keep cutting out on me. Oh, it sounds like you keep cutting out on me. What the heck? Well, you, you were talking, and then you just went silent. Oh, weird. My, my internet seems good. All right, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, Uh, yes. So is this before Jesse Ventura is governor of Minnesota? Oh, yeah, I this see? is long before that. Ah, uh, okay. This is long before all that bullshit. Him <laughs> and his conspiracy theories. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But basically what we got here is we got a cameo by Jesse Ventura and Mean Gene uh, doing basically a wrestling-style commentary. Jesse Ventura, you know, like, besides this movie, the only other movie I can think of he acted in was Predator. Yeah, that's my go-to for Jesse Ventura. He ain't got time to bleed. He's a goddamn sexual Tyrannosaurus. So they're getting ready for the fight that Mean Gene calls the bell from hell versus the dove from above. Well, Nancy, she they, they thought this was weird. They had Nancy tied back up to the bed. I guess she agreed to it for the fight. Yeah, that didn't really make much sense. But she calls out, may I, on the TV. 
saying like she wants revenge and she wants another round and what do you say may I you got what it takes to face me or are you gonna hide and let me control this body soul forever well may I no by god you may not (laughs) and I like uh we kind of we kind of missed it, but we got like a call. We got another callback scene, like between the nerd and Father May I at the college. Uh, this was, <laughs> he goes, Father May I? Yes. Have you adhered strictly to your vow of celibacy? Yes, I have. Me too. I am not surprised. Mine was by choice. <laughs> that is my favorite. In the entire fucking movie. Now, is this done when we get kind of the recreation of the iconic exorcist shot with the taxi? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we get, yeah. but, but before we get that, so Father May I, he does like this uh, Rocky style, like pumping up, like montage. He, he makes this Alka Salsa pea soup and a couple eggs into a blender <laughs> which that, yeah. that looks nasty he's got like this chicken hanging from the ceiling that he's using like a punching bag I love how uh, he stops and like the shadow keeps punching the chicken <laughs> <laughs> yes. he's practicing like his like little you know that prayer thing that Catholics do where they point to like the four, like north, east, south, west, and then the center on their chest. And then he like speeds up because he's like able to do it so fast. And I love how everything he takes all his like pet pre like father stuff and puts it into a little Rambo lunchbox. <laughs> yeah, I did like the Rambo lunchbox. So he shows up and we, like you said, we get that little, like, exorcist parody thing of the taxi. Yeah, he so shows he up. Him off, and he stands there with his briefcase, like, looking up. But then the taxi comes back and the guy's like, you call this a, you call this a dip, you cheap bastard? And he flips him off. Well, May I goes in and he calls for Luke and Brophy shows up. And Brophy's like, what about your heart? He's like, don't worry about that. I brought that with me, too. And he goes over to a little machine that says life insurance. (laughs) Yeah. I I love how, uh, I forget what the line is, but you hear uh, Nancy going like, May I? And he goes, and they wonder why priests never get married. Well, they go out there. And Nancy does like that little, hey, you. I, I like the line um, when Brophy asked May I how she looks. And <laughs> she's like, it looks like she's been surviving solely on airline food. I like when uh I like when May I comforts Brophy and he's like, Don't worry, 
we have our faith, we have the, the Bible, and it, uh, it's a backup. These beauties. <laughs> that was bat, baseball bat. Yeah. And Jesse Ventura goes, that's an illegal foreign object. Jesse, what do you know about fairness? And they stop, like, beating each other up. And May is like, are you just about finished? So yeah. he walks up to... uh. May I goes up to Nancy and Satan's like, I got something for you. It's payback for all these years ago. And before she could spit puke on it, Father May I spits pea soup all over her. <laughs> and the look on her face when she looks up was like, You did not. Yeah, I, he I wipes was, his mouth when he wipes his mouth and goes, "There, how do you like it?" Yeah, this is when uh, this kind of just evolves into like a series of skits. Um, do you have it down beat for beat, Cordell? Because I do not. The next thing I have is the Conalingus. <laughs> So yeah, so they uh they're talking and she's like yelling at um Father May I saying your father your father's something and I can't stand your mother. He's like, come on, put a sock in it. Gee, what crowd up your butt died. When he goes up to her and says, I hoped I'd never see your ugly face again, you vile creature and he just starts like boom like talking shit to her and she goes hey 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 who says you can talk to me like that he holds up Leslie Nielsen goes right here he holds up the script to the movie (laughs) well uh we get like this funny scene where Nancy like looks at the at the camera and goes hi I'm Barbara Walters and this is 2020 You guys got that joke, right? Yeah, yeah. So, Father May I starts reading from, like, the Bible about the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, and she starts doing, like, this uh, levitation move. And May I tells Brophy not to be scared, you know, it's an illusion, and Brophy's like, she's floating in midair. So he, like, takes out some scissors and cuts the wire. (laughs) And he's like, uh, this line fucking cracked me up, because what does he say? He says something like, uh, what the fuck is it? This is the issue of talking about a comedy, listeners, because, like, it's hard to recite every fucking joke. Unless it's, like, Spaceballs. But, uh, he says something to the effect of, uh, I, I don't know. What does he say? <laughs> he just says something about it being an illusion. And she goes, you sound like George Bush on the deficit. That <laughs> 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 oh, fucking cracked me up. And then, of course, you had the Conalingus joke where, like, he's reading again and she's like, lick me, lick me. 
Make me ice cream cone. And uh, Mean Gene goes, that is disgusting. Mean Gene and Jesse Ventura, they do get a really funny line in here when they did the bell from hell versus the dove from above. And he goes like, Mean Gene's like, you gotta remember, Mean Gene, May I has a bad ticker, but his opponent is a woman. Nice tit, sure, but with a face that I wouldn't want to wipe my feet on. You ever heard of a bag, Mean Gene? My money's on May I. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, that was uh, the, the one joke with them that really got me is at some point um, they talk about steroids. Oh, yeah, where well, he goes, steroids? Well, yeah, we'll get to that. I know exactly where that one came comes in. Well, he, uh, she says some. So when he calls the uh, floating trick an illusion. She goes, that may have been an illusion, but you know what's not an illusion? Your heart condition. And um, she So, May I goes down from his heart, and Luke kind of stands up and says, I command you to stop this charade. And Satan gets them and goes, you command? You're not in a position to command dick, altar boy. Is this when she's like, I know the reason you became a priest? Yep. His SAT score was under 300, so he either had two career options, join the church or join the U.S. Senate. <laughs> yeah, that fucking like, yeah. And uh, so May I, he pops up and he starts like, hop, he hops on the bed and starts strangling her. And this is a joke that like took me a second and I thought it was really funny. And I don't know why I think it's so funny. But he starts, like, you know, attacking Nancy, and she basically triggers a heart attack, and she's like, here's your mother in bed with uh, Noriega. (laughs) Picture of some lady in bed with the dictator of Panama. And it took me, like, a second, Cordell, but then I, like, thought about it, and I started fucking cracking up. Well, may I goes down. And he can't, uh, so Brophy starts performing uh, CPR on him, and he gets, like, these shock paddles. And he's got it on, like, the low setting, and it's not doing anything. So he, so Brophy cranks it up to holy shit and gives him a jolt, and that brings Mei back. So... Um, Nancy goes, well, yes. I guess you are a hard man to kill. And like me, he just looks at her and goes, Pfft. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, now is this, uh, okay, so this is uh, where they, she starts like changing Mei's appearances. Yeah, she basically starts transforming him into, like, at first it's, like, religious figures. But yeah, then she, 
<laughs> like when she changes them into like the Muslim or something. <laughs> and, they, and everyone's like, that guy even scares me, mean Gene. <laughs> and she transforms him into like an Indian chieftain. And I like Brophy because like the whole time he like just goes along with it, like chanting. Yeah, every time she transforms him, he just like goes along with it. And I like how uh, Brophy is. Yeah, like Brophy is basically like playing along with each one. <laughs> Who is the one guy? She changes him into like this one guy and he goes, this is the craziest exorcist I've ever performed. It's uh, Groucho Marx. <laughs> yeah, he's got like the mustache and cigar. And well, then you- he cha- he turns into Rambo, and Nancy goes, "Who are you? Your worst nightmare. Something's wrong." She turns him into a fat Rambo, and then this is where we get the line. She goes, "Eh, who needs steroids anyway?" And we cut to Mean Gene and Jesse, and she goes, and they go, "Steroids aren't used any uh, in wrestling anymore." Mean uh, Jesse, and Jesse goes. Or any less. Yeah, that line made me like my jaw drop. I was like, what the f-? That was like. <laughs> but it's not that far from the truth, though. Now, at the time of this movie, was Jesse Ventura still active in wrestling? I believe he was, yes. Maybe. Yeah. Let me look it up. Let me look it up. Um, okay. Okay, so he was, so Ventura was a member of the Navy underwater demolition team during Vietnam. Uh, From 1975 to 86, he had a professional wrestling career. Um, In addition to wrestling, Ventura pursued an acting career such as Predator and Running Man. Um... Ventura entered politics in 1991 when he became the mayor of Minnesota, a position he held until 95. Okay, so he did this movie between his wrestling and political career. Well, good for him, I suppose. He is funny with uh, with the other guy, Mean Gene. Uh, so. Yeah, so she uh she finishes transforming um the figures, and this is when kind of Luke he he gets fed up with it, and he jumps on to Nancy now. Well, no, because they try the holy water, remember? Oh, yeah, and every time he throws it, it splashes back on Brophy. <laughs> I like the first time he uh, he does it. He goes, ha ha, you missed. The second time he does it, Father May Eye's wearing, like, a rain jacket. Yeah, the second time he's got, like, the yellow slicker on. <laughs> so, Father Brophy, he gets fed up, and he jumps on a... Nancy and he goes damn you leave her leave this girl's body alone take take me take me well Satan jumps from Nancy over to Father Brophy 
<laughs> I think this is funny. He gives Father Brophy boobs and they switch clothing. Now Father Brophy's wearing the blue, like, dress. Father May I goes, Luke, no. He's innocent. It's me you want. He grabs Luke and, like, starts, like, bumping up against him, goes, enter me. Enter me. Enter me. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so the devil goes in the, we see the, like, you know, the cartoon devil goes into Leslie Nielsen, and then he gets the boobs in the red dress. <laughs> and, uh, so he jumps on top of Nancy, and Jesse Ventura's like, uh, it's some sort of transvestite battle royale. <laughs> oh and, my uh, gosh, that is hilarious. I missed Nan- that line. <laughs> yeah, so Leslie Nielsen's like, and um, and it should be said, Nancy's now dressed like the priest. So they're like wrestling on the bed. And... Uh, the devil goes back into Nancy. So it kind of like, you know, is like a stalemate, basically. And uh, so Mayai and Brophy, they're basically like, ah, we've tried everything. We've done everything the devil hates. Uh, holy water, uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. <laughs> the devil goes, rock and roll? Rock and roll. We never tried that. I hate rock and roll. <laughs> so uh, we get a really, really fun rendition of the song Devil with a Blue Dress. Is that a real song or is that made for the movie? Oh, no, that's a real song. Oh. Huh. I never knew that. So you got like all the religious figures there playing like... um playing instruments, brophies, like, on the drums. You got, like, these sexy nurses with guitars. Father yep. Mayai keeps, like, jumping between, like, famous, like, um, stars like Elton John and Michael Jackson. Yeah, that's what I had written down when he, like, pops up with the glove and all. <laughs> Uh, right here, the trivia. The rock and roll music video performance is a spoof of Robert Palmer's popular music video for his hit song, Addicted to Love. Although other musicians like Elton John and Michael Jackson are spoofed in the scene as well. <laughs> I like the scene where the Satan gets on the phone with the police says, hello, 911. I'm being sent back to hell by rock and roll music. And they just hung up on him. <laughs> Yeah, no, it is a good musical number, and I like how it keeps changing. Like every other scene, Leslie Nielsen's dresses a different rocker. It's a lot of fun. Well, they basically end it, and Nielsen dressed up as Michael Jackson jumps onto the bed, and I guess Satan couldn't handle the power of rock and roll because he gets banished from Nancy's body. Yeah, you see the, like, cartoon Satan, like, fly out and, like, 
Where does it go? Does it like fly into the screen or something? Like basically goes back to hell. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, so, uh, we got the Nancy and she's doing like the whole like Wizard of Oz. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Yeah. Well, she uh, she wakes up and realizes that she's free. And so she hugs Father May I and Father Brophy and says, you know, how can I repay you? And Father May I says, you know, saving you is payment enough. He looks over to Brophy and says, I'm sure that's the last we've seen of that vile spirit. And then we get like a rehash from the beginning where Satan screams out, May I? I'll be back. And all three of them just look at the camera and go, oh, shit. <laughs> well, we cut back to present day, and May I is finishing up his sermon to the college class, but he says that he has a special uh, guest he wants to introduce to everybody, and he brings in uh, Linda Blair. And basically, the last gag we get of the film is the nerd guy. He suddenly, like, just completely tries to shred the entire story, calls May I a fraud and everything. And then May I and Nancy, they both spit pea soup on him. (laughs) And I love at the end, they both, like, smile and wipe off the pea soup from the corner of their mouths. (laughs) And with that, credits roll to the song... He's coming back, the devil. And that is repossessed. So, Luke, big O, high, medium, low, are you going to damn your dick to hell? (laughs) You know, I think once again, it's pretty hard to talk about comedies on a podcast because, like, if you haven't noticed, listeners, like, it's, it's hard to, like, just recite jokes. You know what I mean? It's tough. Um. But yeah, I went in with like zero expectations for this movie, Cordell, and I gotta say, I had a really good time with it. This is a this is a really fun movie. I think I don't think you could do a parody of The Exorcist any better. I mean, it's really cool that we actually have like Linda Blair, and I didn't know uh, Warren Beatty or Ned Beatty, sorry, was a he was in Exorcist too, so that makes it even cooler. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they do a really good job of, like, spoofing both, like, the 90s and, like, you know, sort of the political stuff that was going on at the time while also making fun of The Exorcist. And, uh, yeah, it's really breezy. Um, Yeah, it's a lot of fun, honestly. There was a couple moments that made me, like, really laugh out loud, so. Uh, This movie's, like, this is one of my favorite spoofs of, like, you know, the horror genre when you think about it, because then... Some of my other favorites are like another Leslie Nielsen film, Dracula, Dead and Loving It, uh, Mel Brooks, Young Frankenstein. You know, I think when people think of horror movie parodies, they think of like scary movie. But I kind of like these more older ones that people maybe don't remember like these that. Yeah, this is a pretty... Yeah, I mean, um, 
No, I mean, I think this is way better than Scary Movie. I mean, I haven't seen Scary Movie in quite a long time. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, Leslie Nielsen's funny. Linda Blair, I think, is actually really good in this movie. And, uh, yeah, I just, I just had a good time with it. So if you like The Exorcist, then I'd say definitely check it out. So I'm going to go with a – I'll go with a medium for Repossessed. Yeah, fun stuff. And I'm going to give this movie um, a week high recommend. And the reason why I say that is I, I, I recognize, like, this movie is dated. This movie is old. This movie might not be for people like people today who are more whose idea of comedy is a lot different than it was back in 1990. But this movie to me is like, like I just mentioned, it's one of my favorite parodies ever. You know, usually, I mean, the only thing that would have made this movie better was if Mel Brooks had done this. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it feels like something he could do. Yeah, I really feel like, I mean, this movie feels very much like Dracula Dead and Loving It, which was a Mel Brooks film, or Young Frankenstein. Um, and, and yeah, parodies are very difficult, like comedies are very difficult to do on podcasts because, you know, it's a lot of jokes and comedy is subjective. You know, we might review it and it's supposed to be funny, but we might not think it's funny or we might think it's funny and people, other people don't. But, you know, it was a movie I really wanted to do on the show because I it was a movie I wanted to kind of put out there. Like, yeah, this movie exists. And it's actually, if, if you like old, low-budget films, and I'm, this movie, to me, I mean, is low-budget. I mean, this movie, it even says in the trivia, this movie was made, was shot in 31 days. So they literally only shot this movie for a month. Really? Wow. I would you not. Know, have... I, I don't know how long it takes to shoot a movie. I, I'm sure I'm sure if you shoot movies and like if you got a really good crew, you can pump out a movie in like under a month or two. After you get all your shots. But. uh, No, this movie is one of my favorites. It's a childhood film. I watched this when I was like in my early teens. Loved it. Thought it was hilarious. Loved Leslie Nielsen. I think it's awesome to have Linda Blair here. I'm a wrestling fan, so to have the Gene, Jesse Ventura and Mean Gene cameo is pretty fun. Um, I mean, there are some jokes here that are very dated. Kids today watching this would not get the jokes. They would not get the Ted Kennedy joke. They would not get the Oliver North joke. But, I mean, unless you, like, do your studying on some of this stuff, I mean, it's a funny movie, regardless. And I think a lot of that has to do with Leslie Nielsen. He is just a comedic golden. I think, you know, rest in peace, man, because you know, he was a great comedian. So, yeah, I'm going to give this a week high. It's a high because it's one of my favorite films, but it's weak because I know other people might not be, they might not get the joke is what I'm saying. But I, I still recommend you to check it out and give it a chance and, you know, just kind of see where it falls in like, 
Like, if you judge it just as an old comedy from the 90s, where it would land compared to, like, Spaceballs or Young Frankenstein, something of that caliber. Are you, are you still saying? There? Hello? Cool yeah, now? you still there? Yeah, were you asking you. where we No, I was just asking you because like I I get I gave my recommend and then I didn't hear nothing. I'm like shit, I lost him again. Ugh. Sorry, our our Skype has been like kind of dropping tonight, guys. God damn it. Um yeah, no, I mean what I would say, honestly, this movie, Cordell, makes me want to watch some more Leslie Nielsen because yeah, I thought he was pretty damn funny in this movie. So I really want to check out like the naked gun, like Dracula Dead Loving It. Um, I know he's got like a whole I'm trying airplane, I think, is like a big one for him. Yeah, you like this. I think you'll really like Dracula Dead and Loving It. That's a really yeah, good no, parody I... on the Dracula story. I, I would put this right up there with, like, Young Frankenstein, you know, like, the Mel Brooks stuff. Like you said, like, you almost wish Mel Brooks had made this movie, but I think it holds up, like, really well. Like, you almost, you know, I think it's just as good as something like, you know, Spaceballs or something like that. But for The Exorcist, so. Yeah, no, a, a really good time. Uh, well, that is it. For tonight folks uh thank you for joining us and we will be back next time at cynical to continue our scream series when we sit down and review uh scream three you like scary movies cordell well considering half of my half of our catalog is all slasher movies what does that tell you no no All right. Well, you folks have a wonderful evening. Thank you for joining us, and we will be back to scream next time. Take it easy, guys. He's back. Thought he was gone, Jack. Now, in fact, he's back, and that is a black panther problem bound to attack a child lost in the wild. This was his break. A girl, Nancy, would she get away, or could she? Can she find a way out? I doubt if she could, because the devil's all about evil. Power ruling intended, bad intentions always demented. Through a TV set, he sent it. Soul destroyer, and he meant it. Like before, the curse will persist. Like part one of the exorcist. But this time, Father May I twice is pissed. Because once again, the Blair got dissed. On a rampage like a madman After a crowd with a 12-gauge shotgun But this one's the terrible ruler of hell He makes lives unbearable Ask Father May I or Father Luke He sees Nancy's soul and he made her puke A pea soup all over our pre-suit And I used to think when the Blair was cute Now she's haunted and taking control of the gang In the end, good will triumph and always win In the meantime, though, you watch your head spin It's 316, the face is sin Rapidly turning, bedpost burning It's gonna take a lot more than to sell each sermon to destroy him 
or even annoy him in this time of demonic, chaotic mayhem at the dwelling with Jello and Della, ultimate killer. Live on Ernest the Fanny, Ray Rollers, show, primetime soul. Father, may I and Luke are on the go, hitting the gyms and lifting, moving quick and building confidence, getting swift and ready for butt kicking at its best, cause Nancy's been repossessed. The Play rock and roll. He hates that. 